everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I am Brandon, and I'm here with Dan. Hi there. And we got Paul. I'm a little backwards today. Uh, yo, yo, yo. What it is? Uh, another episode. Let's do it. And we are going to cover Season 1, Episode 10, the Corbomite Remover. Rem- remover? Maneuver. Wow. <laughs> uh, the original air date for this was November 10th, 1966. Uh, Corbinite remover actually would have come in handy, I guess, at some point. Yeah, it definitely would have. Yeah, so so we're just going to go ahead and start it off, just going through the episode, and it opens up with uh, Spock and crew on the bridge, and I always like seeing Spock in command. I don't know why, like, I just, you know, Team Spock it, still. It just feels right. Yeah. It just, is, it just, he used the logic and everything, so, like, we're like, okay, I agree with him so much for the simple things, you know, so that's the way Spock is. Yeah, he's had a few moments where I was kind of like, eh, but yeah, I like I like seeing Spock in the in the captain's position. Uh, but he's uh, on the bridge taking pictures of just space, and they're making some star maps. And I guess they've been doing it for like the last three days. And uh, I don't I don't talk a lot about like the cinematography of this show, but we get a really cool shot of like the outside of the ship, and then we get a really really weird shot where they zoom into the dome on top of the ship like to to come into the bridge and like i don't know if that was like some weird experimental thing that they were they were trying but that did not work for me at all it could have been a the director's choice of that day because i think they get different directors uh for each episode oh okay yeah that would make sense then and the other thing is uh, i know we've talked about this a few times and i think this is a good place to, to kind of throw this in here but like i think my original uh list of when episodes were shot and intended to air was wrong i think this one was supposed to be actually like second or third so like that's why like the quality of these episodes keeps changing like and people's uniforms keep changing which i know is a weird way to like judge stuff but you know that kind of progression over time so like uhura sometimes is wearing gold and sometimes she's wearing red and i think this was supposed to be like a way earlier episode so i think they were still trying to figure stuff out i will say the uniforms have slowly grown on me as time has gone on. Yeah. Well, I, I personally think this episode is so, um, like, exposition that we're looking for. Like, not, not, not a lot of action, but a lot of talking and thinking. That I don't think they thought they could draw viewers in with this kind of episode at the time. Like, we're we, we watching it now, and we're committed to the Star Trek journey. So, like, it's a bunch of talking and stuff like that. And we're, we're real into the characters, who they are. So, like, all this talking and stuff doesn't really bother you. And it gets, like, you're so into the characters. If this was, like, episode one or two, I might have thought, you know what? I don't even, these, why are you guys talking for? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on because I'm not really into the show yet. Yeah. Like, the other thing, too, that I noticed about this is, like, the something felt off about the quality of it. Like, I, just the film itself. Like, I, don't, I don't know what it was because, obviously, you know, we're still going through the, the remastered version of this. But something about it just felt off. Like, it felt like a really early episode for me. And I guess maybe it's because it was, but I don't, I don't want don't know why they changed the order of them. But uh, they get uh, an alarm starts sounding, and Sulu warns Spock that they've detected an object and that they're on a collision course at light speed, which happens a lot in this for being in just like empty space exploring. Like they're always on a collision course. Yeah, what are, what are the odds of actually that happening when you can go in any direction in the universe? Like, oh hey, there's something in my way. Like, eh, not very likely. Yeah, but we don't know. We don't know yeah. how long it's been between each episode, though. So it could have been a month, and then they ran into something, or it could have been an hour. You know, like we're watching it by episode, so we don't know how long it's been since so they accidentally ran into something. 
Yeah, but like we send satellites to other planets and they take years to get there and they don't run into shit. Like these guys are well, running that, into something we, once a that week. That we know of. They, they, somebody <laughs> thinks they're probably ex- ex- exploding all around that we don't, we don't know about. They yeah, but it'd be just like our equipment. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Spock orders them to, you know, do the, the logical thing and take evasive maneuvers. And Sulu informs them that the object changed direction as well. So it just keeps coming at them. And Uhura says that she hasn't received a signal from the object, with which like they keep saying signal, and I, I assume that they mean you know like a radio signal, like a transmission. I don't, they they use the word signal for like everything, and most of the time it's just like a transmission. So I don't yeah yeah space words. Uh, but Spock is uh, sitting in the captain's chair, you know, looking right, and he orders them to sound the alarm. And Sulu says that the object is slowing down at that point. So Spock cancels the alarm and just orders a full stop. Uh, so they get a visual contact with the object and it shows on their screen. It's just a big, colorful, rotating cube, like just almost like a big solved Rubik's cube. That, that's what I was thinking it looked like, too. Dude, dude, dude. I, I got to say, like, when I first saw this, I thought, oh, cute ship. And I thought, yo, that is so actually cool because, like, it is so just the idea behind there being a box ship out there because i thought it was a ship at first you know like everybody else right. would think i thought it was a ship at first i thought who thought about that because i never like the idea of making a ship in my head i never thought about a box ship being being what i want plus like even the cgi of it like the terrible cgi of it is really cool yeah. like, it's a good idea like the spinning of it the color changing like i don't know what it is about it it just it looks cool even for the time it looks cool like it, it looks so i like i don't know somebody i really liked that's what i was gonna say is like at this point i really wish that we were not watching the remastered version because i want to see what that cube looked like originally and i looked it up i couldn't find screenshots or screen caps of it anywhere mm-hmm. like i've seen the enterprise and it was clearly just a model so i was really mm-hmm. hoping to see the original one but to your point about having a cube ship like Hell yeah, dude. You're in space. Like, there's no wind resistance. There's no need for you to have anything aerodynamic. You can have any shape yeah, that no you drag. want. So why not just have a big-ass cube out there? Yeah. Yeah, see, I didn't even, I didn't even think of it that way. I didn't yeah, like, as, I as long as you that. never have to go to a planet with an atmosphere, like, you just have a, a big-ass cube flying around. Who cares? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. So, uh, Spock orders Sulu to slowly go around the object, but the cube just keeps staying in front of him and blocking him. And the helmsman, who is uh, Bailey, yells. He just yells. He's like, the object's blocking us. And Spock uh, calmly tells him that it's unnecessary for him to raise his voice. He's like, calm down, bitch. <laughs> yeah, he's like, dude, like, chill out. It's not a big deal. So he orders uh, another full stop. And then he orders the alert he was going to do to begin with. And so Sulu sounds the alert and summons Captain Kirk to the bridge. And then we get the show's opening. So... We get another shot of the outside of the uh, Enterprise, and it's stopped, and the cube is just, you know, rotating in front of it, being all bright and crazy. And we get a a captain's log explaining, you know, this just what happened, which wasn't a lot, and explains that Kirk is currently in the sick bay, and he's doing his quarterly physical. And that's where we go next, is Kirk's just laying on a table with his legs on, like, that bicycle thing on the wall we saw Charlie doing. And he's just, like, it's, yeah, it's just basically, like, bicycle pedals in a wall. He's just, like, pedaling. And a great callback, he, by the way. This is a great yeah. callback moment. Yeah, I like to see that uh, everything stays consistent like that. Uh, but I, what I thought was really funny was, like, Kirk is in the background pedaling, and he's he's just, like, muttering. He's like, you're killing me. You're killing me. Like, dude, you're just pedaling yeah. a bike. Like, it's not that big a deal. 
I think it's more about he wants to, he's, he's tired as hell. He wants to stop, but he realized if he stops, he has to read the whole entire physical. I, I get, I get what he, I get what he's going through because see from this moment on and the rest of the episode, I gotta say it's my favorite Bones episode ever, and him, him and Kurt's dynamic of friendship is it's is so the biggest thing about this episode in a way. Yeah, like it's it's a small subtle thing, but like you see him enjoying tor- torturing him with the exercise. Yep. He's smirking. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> you know, and like something you would do to a friend if you put him in a bad situation. You you like kind of smirk about it. Like, yeah, I know, I got you. Like, and he's like, he he's it's not it's not it's not out of like hate. It's more out of love and joke. You know, for their friendship dynamic, and it's just it's funny. Yeah, you just, can tell I, you can tell Bones likes to screw with him. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure he doesn't get the opportunity too much. Like yeah. with Kirk being the captain, so. Exactly. So anytime he can mess with the medical, I think it's just he's like, yeah, I got you now. I don't mess with you. Like, I know. I just I I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy that friendship. To that point, though, like, how does Kirk stay in such good shape? Because mostly he just spends his day kind of sitting around, like doing nothing. So he has to be mm-hmm. exercising like all the time, right? Not, not like they, all they the time, got, but a regular amount. It has to be ex- exercise. Uh, has to be exercise. Quarter. We know they got the, uh, workout quarters. We know that much. Yeah, working out and stuff. So they got they must have a certain a lot of time they work out every day. Yeah. Plus, they, I, I, they I wonder... walk about ten miles a day. He, probably, he walks all day. Think about it. he walking the room to room, walking about yeah. a big ship. He probably walks like what ten thousand steps in a, in, a, in, a, in a heartbeat. Actually, that's a really good point. That I mean, the the ship is so much bigger than they have shown so far. So yeah, you could easily just like walk a couple of floors in that and and probably get in a few miles. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It makes me wonder what a typical day for him would be. Like, how how long right. is he captain for? Is it like eight hours, twelve hours? You know, how how much how much sleep does he get? Yeah, he's got to have some downtime, and that also makes me wonder. Like, so they have like a B team. Like, who's their B and C team captain? Well, you would assume Spock is number two, right? But remember, Spock's always on episode, when Kirk is. No, remember the, a couple episodes ago, uh, Spock and Kurt were on the planet. And they put somebody else in charge. I can't remember who it was. Was it Uhura? Right. Well, I imagine, though, My- that they have, like, shifts, though, right? Like, everybody, because it's always the same team with Kirk. Like, it's always McCoy oh, yeah, and the Spock and Uhura. The team. Yeah. Like, they have to have, like, maybe three shifts. So, like, who's who's the B and C team? I don't think there's a B and C team around here. I think you just go to bed and then you get up and then you're you're in at all times. You got to be ready. Yeah. And like, well, so, someone, I would imagine maybe someone who's piloting this ship. During the night, it probably has, you know, full control. And if something goes wrong, they have to call Captain Kirk or Spock. But, yeah, the captain yeah, can't be, sense. you know, well, I can't can be doing right, it 24-7. I can tell you right now, Army-wise, you're on, you're on 24-7 and when you're in Army, the military thing. You're on 24-7. So you get your little catnap in, and you get ready to go. So, like, and you guys kind of rotate things. So, like, if it's if this like, military-based, I figure that you're on 24-7. And you get your sleep when you can. And if and something goes wrong, you know. Somewhere wrong, you wake up. But they, but if you think about it, there could be months before they they could be huge months where they don't even see anybody at all. Yeah, it could be. But could we, we're getting the episode, so it could be gaps. We don't see any. We haven't had human contact in three months, but, but we're going scanning these stars. Right. You know, so maybe it's more. There's more of a gap between the action than we think it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So there'd be a lot of downtime. You're saying. Yeah. Okay. Could you yeah, imagine if we had an entire episode? Of just like a regular day where nothing happens, like they're just, they're just walking around the ship and having like boring ass conversations, <laughs> and like it, it, routine it, maintenance. There might be an episode like that. There yeah. could be one coming up. We don't know. So uh, 
McCoy notices that there's a red flashing alert sign and he doesn't mention it to Kirk and he just keeps an eye on Kirk's uh, vitals instead and he stops Kirk from pedaling and asks him if he's winded and, and Kirk's all out of breath and he's like, well, you know, you're the last person I'd tell. So, you know, just, you know, hamming it up as captain. And uh, he looks up and he sees the flashing alert sign and grabs his shirt and goes to the computer to call Spock. Uh, Spock tells him what's going on, says that, you know, hey, you need to have a look at this. And he switches to the the view of the rotating cube, which which is really funny because he's like, Captain, you need to see this. And then, like, just shows him a cube. And uh, Kirk's just looking at this. And he's got to be like, okay, like, it's a cube. Like, what about it? Like, you're, that doesn't explain shit. There's no uh, no other details. This yeah. was, I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Like, yeah. yeah. He's like, you got to see this. Like, oh, it's a cube. Great. Yeah. Like, thank you, Spock. Well, they don't they don't have cubes in the future, apparently. So it's like, you got to see this man. Yeah, we've we've never seen anything like it. So uh, McCoy joins Kirk at the computer to look at the cube. And Spock just keeps, you know, explaining that it's blocking him. And they ask him if if it's a vessel. And he says it's it's just more some type of device. Uh, again, you know, just offering all of the, the information in the world. And so Kirk starts to head for the bridge, but he stops to ask Bones why he didn't tell him about the alert light. And Bones is like, well, you know, I finally got a physical done on you. So he wasn't going to interrupt that. And so Kirk leaves the room and McCoy's just like sarcastically asks, he's like, yo, am, am I a doctor or a, a moon shuttle conductor? Which a moon shuttle is a really weird choice of words for the future. So random, bro. It was so random. I was like... That's the only one thing. I was like, I, I had nothing to say. Like, complete silence for me. I was like, yeah. Just like, moon that shuttle. doesn't make sense. Or, like, I'm, th- like, there's some kind of famous quotes. Like, am I, am I something or something else? Like, I can't remember. There's some kind of famous quotes in time or whatever I've heard. But I just, I don't know. It didn't work. I thought it was terrible. You know, maybe going to the moon is such a, like, just a, a regular occurrence now Mundane that you thing? literally just. Oh. You literally just like are a shuttle conductor to the oh, moon. Okay, like, you know it's what? like a bus. You win. I, I get. You know what? You win that one. I get that. I mean, I didn't even. I didn't Future even humor that we don't get. Right now. We live in the past. I'll take like, like yeah. moon shuttle. It's just like like nothing because they can go in space. So moon shuttle right there. I guess don't really ain't up. Okay. You know what? Okay. I can accept that. I didn't. I didn't think about that way. I just yeah. didn't get it. So. uh so he's just like talking out loud to himself when Kirk leaves, and he's like, "Well, you know, if I jumped every time a light came on, I'd end up talking to myself," and. You know, just funny little sure in there. Yeah. So uh, in the corridor, uh, Sweaty Kirk is walking to the bridge while the, the alarm's going off. And he gets into an ele- elevator and he, like, turns this lever and he tells it where to Dude, take him. That's really cool. Like, I, I, yeah. Well, but is that what he said? Is that is that why he says bridge and then he calls the bridge? Yeah, he. Oh, see, that confused me because I thought I thought he's I thought he said bridge. And then forgot to click the button to call the bridge. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think. Like, he, I, I didn't think he turned that and said bridge to go to the bridge. Yeah, he just oh. like I think when he turns that handle, it activates like like the intercom, and you can just say like, "Hey, yeah. I need to go to the bridge." Yeah. Well, it, it, that, it I wonder if it's an automated thing or if he. Yeah, if he's like talking to somebody. That, God, that would be a shitty job though to just control the elevator. So I gotta assume it's automated. But it does answer our question from uh, Dagger of the Mind where we weren't sure whether an elevator goes straight to the bridge or if they have to like go through a corridor. Yeah. He was just taking an elevator to the bridge. So now we know that at least. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm glad. Which one, once again, if you had someone escaped on your ship, what do you put a security guard in <laughs> yes. all the elevators? Yeah. 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 I just thought the, cause I thought, so he turned the knob and said bridge. I thought he forgot 
to click the button and say bridge. He was like, oh yeah. And he was so flustered. And then he clicked it and said bridge. And then he clicked it and said bridge. So I read that whole scene wrong. I, I, I wrote it as him making a mistake and forgetting to say to uh, click the button. I didn't realize that he turned that knob and then said bridge and that's where it takes him to. Yeah, I oh, think we, so, we get an instance of this later too. I, for, I forget what it is, but I think somebody later also uses the elevator and turns the thing and, and says where they want to go. That's a really cool That's a really cool uh, thing they made, like an idea. Like just turn yeah. it and say where you want to go. Like that's very, that's very eventful and cool. I just, I read that whole scene a whole different way. And now that I'm looking at that, I thought, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Well, apparently Kirk also forgot his cell phone. That he had to use the intercom. Yeah. So he uh, he's in the elevator and he calls Spock to ask him if anything has changed with the cube and, you know, if there's any indication of, of danger. And Spock says no to both of those. So Kirk decides that he's going to go change his clothes first and he just hangs up on Spock, which... Uh, Again. Like, why did he take his physical in his uniform? Oh, yeah. Not even that. But he didn't let, let such a badass walking through the corridor with his shirt off and his, his thing across his, his shirt off across his uh, across his yeah. shoulders. I thought, yo, like whatever it is, he's, he's he exudes it. He's like, I'm, I'm captain. Like I'm just walking here with my shirt off. Like I ain't worried about it. And the people and people don't pay him no mind. I thought the whole situation was kind of funny. He's yeah, like, I need like, what I want. I was just like, you know, you're gonna go to to do your physical, and you know you're gonna get yeah. all sweaty as hell. And he's like, I'm just gonna wear my work uniform and then go back to work. Like, dude, nobody wants to smell you Ooh. on the bridge all day. <laughs> it's well, in fairness, he probably wasn't expecting you know a disaster to happen. Yeah, but okay, but still, that, yeah, is right though about the about the workout clothes because we've seen them uh, in the workout room multiple times, and their their outfits different. That's true. Yeah, yeah, especially just, when we seen Charlie. When did Charlie the mate had the powers? The mate old dude disappear in the, in the room. Yeah, they were the, wearing the like room. the the gi, like the karate yeah, yeah. gi. Yeah, I remember that. So like, yeah, I remember particularly they had different out- outfits. So you're right, Brandon. I don't know why he would change outfits. Yeah. So uh, back on the bridge, Spock is telling Bailey to have the reports ready for when Kirk arrives, and Bailey remarks, "He's like, hey, you know, when I raised my voice earlier." It wasn't because I was scared or couldn't do my job. It's, it's because I'm a, I'm a human and I have this thing called an adrenaline gland. And Spock re- replies that it sounds inconvenient and asks if <laughs> Bailey is considered having it removed, which like Sulu's just sitting over there like chuckling. And Bailey's like, well, he's just not amused. Dude, uh, I, Spock is just he's such a jerk on accident. But like. But he's like, so quick, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like feeble human without saying feeble human all the time. Like, like he don't mean it. Somehow he just he knows a way to remind us, hey, I'm awoken. Like without you know, you know how you got that one friend that reminds you of something all the time, like I'm better than you. Yeah. Somehow, you know, like without even doing anything, kind of kind of subtle thing, like blah blah. But guess what? Like he's that friend. It's always running their mouth all the time about the one thing he has better than you. Do you think that like well, that's also, why? Go ahead, Dan. Oh no, I was gonna say we also learned something new about Spock that apparently his race doesn't have. Drilling lands. Yeah, that's why he's always so calm oh, all yeah. the time. Remember, you yeah. mentioned that he was, uh, what was it in the first episode? I think it was, or the pilot that he wasn't sweating on like that uh, planet. So like he can't yeah. even he can't even get like excited to the part or like nervous to the point where he uh, starts just starts sweating. So yeah, I like, I mean, yeah, that yeah. explains a lot. But uh, do you think that like that's the reason Vulcans have don't have a lot of. I mean, I assume they don't have a lot of friends that aren't Vulcans because like Spock is definitely a sarcastic smart ass, but in like a very playful way. But if you don't know him, like he just comes off as kind of an elitist. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, which, which is always funny about the dynamic of his and uh, Kirk's friendship because Kirk is so o- opposite of him. Yeah, but Kirk also definitely understands, like, when Spock is joking, which is, like, yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, he thinks Spock is joking all the time. No, I think Spock's being serious. Yeah, I he's like, take, no, I like, seriously yeah, hate yeah. you. <laughs> no, 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 he's being serious about, about about it. He just, the way he says it, we're like, nobody would talk like that to these people, that, that they're friends. But they realize, that's how you talk to your friends. Yeah, right. You're all, Maybe, I also like the You inter- always pick on each other. You're always joking around each other. You're always attached to each other. That's the way you are with friends. But he's just being serious, but it's taken kind of at a as sarcasm. And that's why I think Spock and Bones' relationship works also, because Bones will give it right back to him. Oh yeah. Yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I think I just think that Spock's personality I if he wouldn't call it that at this point, you know, it's super it's super straight line. And even when he's being serious, you you have to it's up to you to determine if it's a joke or not. Not yeah. up to not not to him. Because the way he talks is always flatlined. But it's either it's for you to take it as a joke or you to take it personal to hurt your feelings. Right. I feel like. Yeah. You well, just, just got to get to know Spock him. won't probably take it personal, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you were to insult him, he'd just be like, eh, whatever. That's getting a, uh, giving you an irrational emotion from something that you said would be illogical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, at this point, though, not to change the subject, but. I, I did have a note here as well about Bailey, and I was like, man, Bailey seems kind of like a smartass, and I bet he's going to be a problem. Like, they, they set him up as the guy on here that's going to cause a huge huge issue, like, immediately. I tell you what, for, for, the moment I, for the moment I saw him, like, the first time I saw him, I thought, oh, he's the one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to die. Yeah, he's the I issue. I thought he was going to die, or I thought he was going to accidentally press a button and, and, and shoot a laser and start a war. Yeah. Like, I, like he did, his, his, his adrenaline glands... We're a little bit hype for for to be out in space. Like, like you're in space, you obviously seen many many unknown things. Why are you panicking about this 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 uh, damn box this quick? Yeah, and like, like he went to panic quick. And the other thing that I found out just through like just a little bit minor research after I watched the episode is that he is the direct replacement for Gary Mitchell. So this episode is like way in the beginning of the series. I I want to say like third in then. So like I don't. Ah, hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I don't. Then, I don't know. Uh, they must change stuff around. See the whole order. I, uh, probably in season two, we'll, we'll get more into better uh, organiza- organization. Yeah. Uh, order wise. Yeah. But I assume it's it's a lot of it's a lot of jumping around in this one. Yeah. So uh, Kirk is back in his office and he calls Spock to ask about any changes, and uh, Spock says that there are still no changes. And Kirk asks if they tried, you know, all the frequencies. And Spock's like, well, yeah, duh. Uh, so Kirk wants all the department heads to meet him on the bridge. And Spock's like, they're already here, dude. <laughs> like, just, uh, I don't even know why he bothers with Spock. He's so ahead of everything. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a good point. Like, he should just know that Spock would have, you know, done everything that he would Kirk would have asked of him. Yeah, and he would have done it five minutes sooner than Kirk thought of it, too. So this is another cinematography cinematography thing that uh, I, I just I couldn't help but laugh at this. So we get this shot of Kirk exiting his office. And for some reason, it's uh, centered on, like, his waist down. So, like, it's just a shot of Kirk's ass as he's leaving the office. And then they play some, <laughs> the some like, really weird, like, 
dramatic music like something terrible just happened or is about to happen while we're just getting this shot of Kirk's ass as he walks out the door and I'm like is that the Corbomite maneuver like his chin just like shaking his ass as he's walking out the door like what the fuck was this I don't even know like it it lowered the camera about six inches yeah they should have raised and they should have kept it up up to yeah and they play just like some really ladies. awful music, like it's something, something terrible. For the ladies, to get the ladies intrigued, like we got to get a flag, a, a little. Th- we got Kurt with his shirt off. We got Kurt. <laughs> we got Kurt's butt shot. You yeah. know, get the ladies like <laughs> we got to get the ladies into the show somehow. Like yeah. when they notice, like, hey, you got a lot of men watching. How can we get some women watching yeah. the show also? <laughs> Shirtless Shatner and just ass shots of him walking out the door. It's just, it's, it was so weird. Like nor- normally, I don't notice little stuff like that, but I was like, "What the fuck is this? Like, yeah, yeah, why? Yeah, yeah. Why, it, is, why that like, shot?" It, they intentionally like went down. Like you can see the like you can see the person with the camera intentionally go down, like yeah. very slowly. And then in editing, they kept it. They're like, "Yeah, that's that's a good shot," and just just kept yeah. it. That's the money shot. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. something for the ladies. But it turns out that's not the Corbamite maneuver. Like him just shaking his ass as he exits his office. It's, it's not the maneuver. It is oh, a maneuver. Though. Maybe that's what we should call that maneuver from now on. Then. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> now, the only thing that could have made it better if he was just like walking out and he's just like Kirk out and just like starts just walking out like that with that shot. So Kirk, he gets to the bridge and Spock says that the sensors, he says sensors. I'm just going to say sensors. I'm not going to say sensors. And he says that the, the sensors show that the cube is solid, which, hey, cool. But they don't know the composition of it. And Uhura says that she still hasn't gotten a reply from the cube. So Scotty gives his report, which he basically says, like, he's like, hey, I don't know shit about this cube. I don't know how it does what it does. I don't know what it's doing. But that, that's my official report. And McCoy is just like, yeah, same. Oh, my like, God. Kirk's so, like, uh, why, am I, why am I paying you guys? Yeah, it's just it, the whole, this whole episode is such a. I'm, for the, I'm laughing now hard this time watching it through like as we're sitting here talking about it I'm laughing about everything but I get the whole panicking and everybody reports being stupid or whatever I didn't get catch any of this my first time or second time watching it through I kind of just I kind of was in the moment yeah but but also like why is Scotty even there like he okay he's a department head but he's the fucking transporter guy like why do they have him there trying no, to figure out what a cube no. is made of no, that's he's, a good he's head, point no he's had engineering dude Okay, but like just because he's an engineer, like he's gonna know what this thing is made of. Like you have an I, I entire crew the, of people trying to figure well, that out well, on the bridge. No, time out. Well, he, they, uh, don't don't this with Scotty. I gotta I gotta defend Scotty now on this moment. I gotta defend Scotty. Hold on, Spot 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 could have called him over the intercom and like, hey, what what's this uh cube thing? And he, I don't know. All right, yeah, hang up like, on him. Yeah, yeah, does. Listen, first of all, all the department heads. He been to every department head meeting through the whole. Uh, nine or ten episodes we're on now. Ten episodes, even through all of them. Now you want to complain that he that he don't know nothing? Okay. Now you want to say something? Like, come on, it's like, like he's an engineer. Listen. Engineers are smart people. Okay, he's not Spock smart. Okay, let's admit that. But Spock isn't a transporter guy either, though. He like, I'm just saying that he know maybe he knows something. Like he. Maybe it's affected engineering. I don't know, but Scotty's there for a reason. Okay, like, Sorry, I, 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 I get that there. Kirk <laughs> wants Scotty's like opinion on stuff, but if you're trying to figure out what this mysterious space cube is, I'm not calling the guy that runs the taxi. Like, I'm just, I'm not. He's not the taxi. Some old, whoa, whoa, the engineer's a taxi now. Oh, hey, <laughs> Transporter is a Scotty, fancy taxi. Okay, Scotty. Hey, hey, Scotty, I got your back, buddy. It, it's, it's more than a taxi. Okay, it saves lives. Okay, it, 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 it that's it true. Lives. It does. It's, it's 
it does it does good things besides that. It transports uh waste. It uh you know it uh it brings <laughs> aliens on ship. I don't know. Is, is, that, how, is that how it, they get rid of their? Uh, is that how they get rid of their waste products? They put it on the transporter oh, and beam God. it down to a planet. They just like <laughs> they just like poop into a barrel, and then when it's full, they just drop it on the transporter. <laughs> just get rid of it. Freeze it, dry, and transports out. Yeah. <laughs> God, he's like, send, why did he become an engineer for this? Send, send the ship. There's a bomb for him. We got a bomb for him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're jamming our sensors. <laughs> oh, I gotta calm down. Okay. <laughs> all right. So yeah. So they give their non-reports, and Bailey suggests that they just use their phasers to blast it. And Kirk's like, oh, "I'll keep that in mind when this becomes a democracy." I'm like, "Yeah, Bailey's a fucking problem." <laughs> He's like, "Space cube, shoot it." But also, ba- yeah, just, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just fucking just shoot it. The, the whole episode. This, the whole episode has been. <laughs> Kirk bitch slapping Bailey. <laughs> I know. And Spock. <laughs> Yo, shut up. Uh, so we get uh, another captain's log that explains that their star maps show no habitable planets nearby, and the cube has held them there for 18 hours. <laughs> the, the, and then we get like shots of the crew just like hanging out, just doing jack shit. And it's one of those things like when we're at work and things aren't working, and I'm like, like I don't care. I'm getting paid to do this. Like I'm getting paid to do nothing. So that's what they're doing. They're just... They're just yeah, getting paid to just around, do nothing. Sit around, have a conversation, have a couple of drinks. Yeah. So uh, Kirk and his crew are in the meeting room discussing the cube, and Spock says he believes that it's either some kind of space buoy or uh, like a flypaper, so it's like a trap. And he says that sticking around would make them appear to be weak. So Kirk is like, yeah, that, that sounds about right, so we're going to go ahead and take some action. And he calls to Bailey, who immediately calls the phaser crew. Kirk's like, yeah, it's time to take action. Hey, Bailey. And Bailey's like, get the phasers ready. And Kirk's like, no, like, don't do that. <laughs> hold, on. hold on, hold on. He's been slapped Bailey again. Bailey's like, he's like, no. Oh, my. Every time Bailey talks, I swear, like, I think Kirk wants to slap him. Like, 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 he, like you know how that, like, yo, like, why are you still talking, bro? Like, first of all, you want to blow it out the sky I and mean, call phases. Well, I thought, no, you thought wrong. Like, I'm captain. Shut the hell up. Let me do my job. But like, Bailey's the kind of Kirk's- guy that, like, Kirk's sitting there with, like, a beer bottle and he can't get the cap off. And he's like, hey, Bailey. And Bailey's like, ready the phasers. Like, we're just going to blast it. I feel like Kirk, I was going to say, I feel like Kirk wants to take Bailey down to one of these planets. I'm like, man, I hope it's his turn to go for my uh, yeah. casualty <laughs> he's report. Like, he's like, you know what? We need an excursion with the guy that we just were introduced to. <laughs> Holy uh, <clears throat> so Bailey tries to explain, uh, you know, his, his whole phaser thing, but Kirk just cuts him off and he's like, I haven't requested an explanation. <laughs> like, I'm, this one, I'm just like, please just get rid of him. Like, he's obviously no, an I'm issue. T- like, I, Kirk's I'm being way too you, patient. Dude, I'm telling you, Kurt's like, every time Kurt talks to him, do not, I, I'm, I'm sitting there smirking like, yo, he's like, yo, like, little boy, captain here. Like, I'm just laughing so hard every time he does it. I just, it's, it makes me laugh so hard. Can you imagine though, like Bailey comes in to replace Gary Mitchell and Kirk's like, you're you're never going to fill his shoes. He was a literal God. Like, what are you? You just drive the ship. <laughs> like, you're a piece of shit and you're always be a piece yeah. of shit. We should, oh. we should blow you out with a transporter with the other shit. <laughs> So uh, he orders Bailey, Kirk orders Bailey to plot them a spiral course away from the cube to try to pull away from it. 
And Sulu calls the engine room, just tells him to stand by. See, so, so Sulu's on it, like he knows. What if Sulu, though, is just like, spiral course, phaser crews, get ready. Kirk's just like, fuck. <laughs> but on the bridge, uh, they try to do the spiral maneuver, and they start going real fast, and the cube just stays in front of them. And then they, they just keep getting this alarm that sounds, and Spock says that there's radiation and that it's increasing. So Kirk's like, all right, full stop, let's sit in this radiation. As one does. Yeah, like, hey, we're in radiation. Okay, let's just let's sit here. But the cube continues to approach them as the radiation increases. So Kirk's like, all right, well, let's try to go at full speed. And then the radiation uh, nears their tolerance level, and the cube starts to spin really, really fast. So Kirk tells Sulu set warp speed. He's like, we're getting out of here. But the radiation passes their tolerance level and into the lethal zone as they hit warp three, and the cube's just still in front of them. So the cube is coming towards them, and it's at like 51 meters and closing in, and Kirk is like, all right, okay, you know, phaser crew's ready. And you know there's like a little defeat in him, knowing that they're about to do the thing that Bailey has been suggesting since the beginning. Uh, And Spock warns that they can only take a few more seconds of the radiation. So Kirk's like, hey, Bailey, lock on to the, or lock the phasers on target. And Bailey doesn't respond because he's in awe of the the spinning cube. And so Kirk has to tell him again. He's like, yo, dude, get your shit together. Let's, Let's lock them on. So he like locks. He wanted to blow the shit up earlier. Right. Where, where are you at now? Yeah, exactly. And where, 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 what? Like, it, it's not that big a deal. It's just a spinning cube, dude. But uh, he does lock on, and Kirk orders them to fire the main phaser, and they just fire uh, two short bursts at the cube, and they cause a big old explosion that just rocks the ship. And I, uh, like, I really enjoyed uh, pretty much everything about this episode up to this point. Like, I, I really love, they do really good, um, like, tension, like, dramatic tension, where just things start going. Um, and I like that we got to finally see the ship shoot something. So, like, that's, I had written a note here that just, just really good tension. Like, they're, they're, they've always been good at, you, you know, when things start to take off. That's I think it's when it shows at its best. The, the dramatic part of this episode, actually, is not even the show, it's the music. Whoever yeah. did the music for this episode was a genius. That weird ass is so cool in itself. Yeah. Like it's a it's a real awesome and it's like it's like kind of like nightmarish and kind of scary and sci-fi at the same time. It's a really cool sound. That every time I came on, like I knew something mysterious, something was going on. That's what this, like I said, every time we watch these uh episodes, their their audio cues and their music are so on point all the time. Like I know it's it's kind of faux pas word anyway to uh to like use music to for cues or whatever to like whatever all the time but it seems like they they use the music in this episode and the sound effects so good yeah absolutely they use it so good like it just i don't i don't know what it, it puts the tension up it makes everything it makes everything more intense or whatever and it like uh like the stuff we have nowadays they use music all the time so it's not it's not as good. It's not as great. Like this seems to use music and sound when it's needed at that moment to exactly make you feel in that moment more yeah. and more. It helps tell the story. Yeah, yeah, it helps tell the story so much. Like, and I feel like we lost watching this. I realized we lost that over time with things we watch now because when I watch when I watch this when I watch this like the music, the sound cues, everything is just so on point. It's crazy to me how good it is. Yeah, and like that's the thing that now is when you hit a scene that has no music, then it has like a, a bigger, like more profound effect than scenes with music. So yeah, you're absolutely, we kind of like flip flopped, yeah. but uh, yeah, I guess the one time they didn't really use uh, music effectively was like five minutes ago when they just 
had Kirk's ass walking out the door. But anyway, <laughs> it's like the only time to. <laughs> Seriously, go back and watch that. It's right in the beginning. Just go back and watch and listen to that no, music. Hey, I, no, I, I, I saw it. I saw it. I get you. So, uh, yeah, we go to a commercial from here. We come back to a captain's log as usual where Kirk explains that the cube has been destroyed and the Enterprise has only suffered minor damage and that he's got to decide whether they want to continue ahead or to turn back. So uh, Spock says that they have no contacts in any of, of any objects or anything in any direction, and Kirk asks him if he wants to speculate on what they're going to find ahead, and Spock's like, no, uh, but logically they'll discover the intelligence that sent the cube. So Kirk wonders if the intelligence is going to be like different, like superior, or like more superior than them, and Spock answers that it'll it'll probably be both. And Spock asks Kirk if are you, are you asking like for a logical decision? And Kirk's like, no. And so Kirk explains that their mission is to seek out life and and contact you know seek out and contact alien life. So that's that's why he wants to continue. And Spock's like, do you know how inefficient it is to constantly question me on things that you've already made up your mind about? And Kirk just kind of smirks and he's like, oh, it gives me emotional security. So again, Which sums their relationship. up their relationship perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Like he just, yeah, it, it, it's funny because he's just like so openly says it, and like he, I know he has that little that smirk, like just like he's kind of being coy, but no, that, that like that's a hundred percent why he continually asks Spock shit that he already knows. He's just looking for that validation. Yep. Yeah, and they both just kind of smirk as Kirk orders the navigator to set the course ahead and orders uh, Sulu to warp one. And what I thought was funny about this is, like, there's a guy underneath a navigation panel, like, doing work. You see, like, little flashes as he's, like, soldering wires and shit. And uh, Bailey just reaches over and hits a switch on the panel this guy is working on. Like, <laughs> like, dude, like something could have gone terribly wrong there. Look, Bailey's not good at his job. Listen, we know this by now. Yeah, ba- Bailey's having some issues. He's having a bad day. Okay, he's having a bad day, you know. The box ship got a little hyped up, you know. We give Bailey a pass, you know. Also, that, Appa- that technician lock, lockout tagout's not his thing in the future. That's exactly what I was about to say. That technician should have lockout tagged out that shit if he don't want to get shocked. <laughs> so, uh, Kirk so it was could, really on him. Yeah, it's both of their faults. I, you got to know there's a guy under there. But uh, Kirk goes to leave the bridge, and he stops and turns around and tells Bailey that the phaser crews were sluggish, and he says that uh, Bailey was slow to lock onto his directional beam. And he's like, hey, Sulu, uh, engineering decks could have been a little faster, too. So he orders them to do a series of simulated attacks and evasive maneuvers and continue repeating the exercise until they are proficient. And then at this point, I'm like, and and I know you're going to fight me on this, Paul, but Sulu is the the life sciences officer. Why is he at the helm all the damn time? Maybe he's a helm officer. I don't know. Maybe he's both. He's life sciences. Listen, my, my, my funny part about this, this is, uh, you know, when, when somebody's in trouble, but you don't want to yell at when you, you want to uh, yell at them about something, but you want to also include other people. You know, Demo, he was only mad at Bailey. He only wanted yeah. Bailey to do the damn things. He was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and mention engineering also. That way, Bailey don't feel like a little, start, start crying. Yeah. You know, you know, you know d- damn well. Because the only person that was slow was Bailey clicking the clicking the phasers. That was it. Engineer did that job. Leave Scotty alone. Scotty did his job. <laughs> okay, Scotty did the job perfectly fine. Don't be put, looping him up with Bailey over here and not pressing buttons. You know? Engineer could have been faster too. Man, shut up, man. We, we, you you know what fighting. I appreciated? You know what I appreciated it, um, after uh, Kirk told him to do that? Is that you'd hear them in the background. Yeah. Over the intercom doing the test over and over. Yeah, I really like those those small details. 
I, I know we've like I've, I mentioned that pretty much every time it comes up, but I, I really enjoy when they do stuff like that just because it makes the the ship seem like you know it's bigger than the room that they're filming in. Yeah, right. but you also know well. We're about the the next scene is about to make that even more relevant because uh, Bones he's talking about Bailey having his breakdown, like whatever, and Bones says, "Listen to his voice," implying yeah. that he can hear panic as they're doing the test, not calm. Right. Yeah, because you know they get right after this, they get in the elevator. Yep. And then he has a conversation with them about Bailey and how you don't think. Not sure if he's ready or not. And he said, listen to his voice. Because you can tell that even over the intercom, as he's doing the test, he, he's doing them panicked. Yeah. Well, we, we find out that Kirk promoted him too fast, according to Bones. Yeah, well, that's the whole, I think that's kind of the whole next part of the whole rest of the episode, too. Yeah, so Kirk gets in the elevator and McCoy joins him. And uh, he says, tells Kirk that the, the men are tired. And, and Kirk just immediately cuts him off. And uh, he's like, aren't you the one that always says that a little suffering is good for the soul? And McCoy's like, I, I never say that. And you can hear like the announcements going off in the intercom to prepare for their simulated attack. Uh, yeah, like you, McCoy says that, uh, you know, he's worried about Bailey and, and Kirk cuts him off again and says that he's going to be fine. And McCoy's like, well, you know, you see, you know, do you see something of yourself in the, or like something that you like in Bailey or something familiar like you were there's like, you know, something from yourself from 11 years ago. And you can still hear that that background chatter going off, which we never found out uh, what he was talking about, like from like, I don't care if I jump ahead at this point, because we never find out what the hell he was talking about, yeah. about like Kirk from 11 years ago. They they never talk about that again. Like, what was Kirk doing? I, I wonder years if ago? they're foreshadowing, uh, like laying stuff down now to pay off later on. Yeah, I mean, that that could be, but like a weird throwaway line for something that could potentially happen like in real lifetime, like weeks or months later, like who the hell's going to remember that? Oh, I remember six months ago, you know, in that elevator. I took, I took that scene different. Maybe I didn't pay attention to the subtitles as I was watching it, but I thought I, th- I took it as in, they were saying that he found Bailey 11 years ago and he's been on his team for that, like been that long. I, I maybe it was something, maybe I just read it wrong. I, I, I guess I didn't realize they were talking about uh, the incident between Kurt 11 years ago. I didn't realize that. So Yeah. Yeah, I must well, have read the, I read the whole scene wrong then. Haven't they in past episodes referenced to Kirk having a past that they haven't really alluded to yet? Yeah, they keep doing just like little throwaway comments like this. That, uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm wondering if the show isn't laying like a small foundation to pay off later. Like we'll get an episode explaining why Kirk is the person that he is. Yeah, I, I really hope so. Because uh, I like Kirk as a character. But, uh, it, I, like, I guarantee you he was not always this, like, sure of himself, uh, pretty much always knows what to do kind of guy. Like, I, I, I'm i curious about younger Kirk. You would have to grow into that role, almost. That, at least right. that's how I would feel. Like, you wouldn't start off as a great captain. You kind of have to work your way up and figure things out to become a great captain or yeah. a person later on. Honestly, it would, I think it would ruin his character for me if they just set him up as like, he was always just a, a confident and collected badass. I'd be like, well, that's boring. Boring. Yeah, I agree. Well, maybe if I'm, if I'm, maybe Kurt's only been with the, within the Federation for the last 11 years. And maybe it took him 10 years to get a post to the captain. So he's saying, maybe he looks like you, maybe, it was like you when you first started or something like that. I'm not sure. I just. Oh, shit. That could be. Uh, 
the what is it the jj abrams movies was the beginning of kirk's uh that's right so he was well shit he was kind of always this uh sure of himself guy damn i forgot those movies existed for a minute well he was was a lot more reckless though he was uh, reckless in those movies yeah yeah so it's like I'm, i'm not really sure about his past or whatever but i just feel like if it's 11 years ago, maybe maybe he's been in the Federation, like I said, uh, 11 years, and he finally got a ship or whatever. They say, oh, he reminds you of you when you were first, when you were first there. And right. now look what you've you become. So, like, you see something in him like you were. I'm not sure. But, I mean, it's way too deep, but I, I get the idea. Yeah. So, um, they're still in the elevator, and Kirk asks McCoy, he's like, oh, you've been reading your textbooks again. And McCoy says he doesn't need textbooks to tell him that Kirk could have promoted Bailey too fast. And so the elevator stops and Kirk just gets out. So a little bit later, uh, McCoy is pouring a drink for Kirk in his office as they continue to talk about the crew. And Kirk says that, you know, he's heard McCoy say that man is ultimately superior to any mechanical device. And McCoy's like, I never said that either. Like, where, where are you getting this shit? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I swear those are quotes you said in other episodes. <laughs> That's but, a good, uh, good question. I, like, he, like, he, I, I, like I, I, was gonna, I was gonna look it up, but I didn't. I swear, I believe he said it. He just, he's like, I know you said that. Like, uh, I remember when you said it. Like, oh no, you said it. No, no, bro. I, I know you said it. I remember you saying it. You know, like that's the, how I feel. The way he said it, that I never said that would be something I would say if I had said something, but trying to joke about <laughs> never saying like, oh, I never said exactly. that. I, never I said took that. it as a very joking matter. Oh, you said she was cute. No, no, bro. I never said. I never said that. Like, I never, no, no, no. I didn't say that. You said that. I agree with you. Like, but also, like, yeah, this like, is, I guess, what the second or third episode of the series. So he really didn't say shit to this point. <laughs> <laughs> they just aired it out of order. So uh, Spock calls Kirk to tell him that they've reached ninety-four percent on their exercise rating, and Kirk says to try for a hundred percent. And Spock's like, "Yeah, I agree." Uh, does I don't does Spock ever get tired? Like, does he sleep? Like, does he ever feel mentally run down? It would it just be illogical? Yep, I don't think it would that be is a good question. I don't, like, I don't think my Spock brain can be tired. Maybe physically. well, he had that emotional breakdown when uh uh. Yeah, he was infected by a chick, virus. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had the drug. Yeah, the virus. In okay, him. that's that, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So uh, McCoy asked Kirk, "What he's like? What are you going to do when they get that six percent and give it to you?" And, and Kirk starts to respond. He's like, "I'll tell you what I'm going to do with that. I'm going to." But they get interrupted when uh, Yeoman Rand enters the room with some food for Kirk. And she's like, yeah, it's past time for you to eat. What was he going to do? He's like, I'm going to take that 6%, shine it up real nice, turn that bitch sideways. <laughs> Dude, I, th- I thought he was about to go ham, too. You know, he was going to take it, I'm going to shove it up you, your ass. You know he's going to be directed towards uh, Bailey, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, Kirk starts complaining about the salad that Janice gave him. And uh, it looked, it was a poor looking salad. Let's be honest here. Yeah, the dude got served food. He didn't have to go get it himself. He's just gonna have to eat what he got, yeah, or he can go get his lazy yeah, ass. Let, let, let's, let's put it out here. Let's put it out here. Like, like the sexism of this show is so bad. At sometimes that the show's hilarious. Like she came in, she he's the captain. She put the damn table setting down. She started feeding them. It was almost like a mom thing <laughs> at a moment. Like oh, eat, eat your eat your vegetables. I'm like yo, you can't do that. Like she she even put the, the little thing down on his uh on his legs too. Yeah, like she put the Look, th- I, yeah I, she I, did. She put the napkin down. You put napkin on his legs and everything, bro. Like she literally like did the did the most uh nurse mom type thing. And I'm like oh that's so like. Like she's so like and then other episodes she's like this real powerful person, 
like respected and like and strong or whatever. And then the next moment, they got her doing some stuff as mundane as well, getting. Yeah. She has multiple food. jobs. She she has to take care of the captain. That's her job. Yeah, she's like, a yeoman. Know, I, but like, like yeah, that's a little too the, much. I don't know what yeoman is. I don't know what the. I thought yeoman meant assistant. Maybe I get it. Yeah, but but it don't mean like I don't know. Like this level of of yeoman, you know, this level of thing is just. It, I don't know. I just found it kind of weird. Yeah, she Look, like wait in the I bathroom to wipe his ass too for him. Well, 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 well I find it particularly <laughs> weird because I'm about to go on a little small rant for the five minutes, a uh, couple minutes, a second. Okay, so I find well, it weird well, that well, two episodes ago, I had one of the most interesting uh, conversations about the female being the one that saved Kurt for the first time, right? Right. Now we're going back to female stereotypes later on. That shows me that this episode had to be earlier. Yeah, yeah. Because, it's still just building character for her. Yeah, but yeah, because the progression of this care of Yeoman uh Ran is already further than this. It's way deeper than this. Yeah. You know, and then I, and uh, even other females they put in this show, they've they've uh switched gender norms, you know, changed gender norms so much to make them strong or whatever. So that's when I this uh, the moment episode I thought, you know what? This has to be old because the way they treat her is almost like an assistant again, the female assistant stereotype, bringing food, you know, uh, 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 putting napkins on or whatever—it's all kind of in that old stereotype. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take the unpopular opinion here on right. this. Um, I didn't take it that way. Would it been? Would it been just as bad if a guy would have brought him food? Well, he would have done the napkins though. I, 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 I don't like think I, her I, bringing Kirk food depowered her. Depowered her as a person. Uh, if anything, it just shows that Kirk relies on her on a lot of things okay i, I think it was more the the napkin thing and it, it like personally for me it's not yeah. really like that it's a pro it's just like it's just a funny uh observation but yeah they put, well, the, na- put the napkin on the here. table put the napkin on his lap like get, let's get, be honest here no matter what she did if i was kirk i would have been mad that she just brought me a salad like <laughs> dude fuck you i love salad <laughs> oh get out of here you you like salad? I love salad. No, I absolutely love salad. I but if someone just brought you lettuce, you wouldn't be too happy. Like, uh, here's a plate okay, of listen. lettuce. Okay, but a lettuce is not salad. A salad is lettuce with other things. Like, yeah. it's, uh, that looked just like lettuce. No tomatoes, no croutons. Yeah. Well, we couldn't. Yeah. No, I didn't even look the, like there the was salad any was ranch on up. There. We couldn't see what was in there. <laughs> they didn't have any space ranch. But, uh. So she does. She she says that McCoy changed uh, Kirk's diet card, and McCoy is like, "Yeah, you know, your weight was up a couple of pounds." And uh, Kirk asks Janet to bring some for McCoy, and he says that he doesn't eat until the crew eats. And uh, at this point, I had a note, uh, like when Kirk was complaining about the salad, I'm like, "Dude, I I I hate Kirk in this episode. Like, he's really just been awful this entire episode." <laughs> and then I, you know, obviously, I found out later that it was in the beginning of the series, so they were still kind of like establishing his character, and. But, like, in the order that we're watching them, which is the order that they were aired, he just, like, he, he seems like he's got just some really bad mood swings. And he just seemed like a dick this episode for absolutely no reason. Like, I, I think I kind of well, like him ba- less and Bailey less as time goes on. was kind of bringing on himself, though. Yeah, that's, that's, but, like, he's just bitching about the salad. And then, okay, here's the next part. So Janice leaves, and Kirk starts complaining about having a female yeoman. And McCoy is like, well, you know, he just makes a joke, like, what, you don't trust yourself around her? And Kirk's like, well... You know, I already have a, a female, and her name is the Enterprise. Like now, he's bitching that, you know, like would he complain? Like you said, if if a, a male had brought him the salad, 
Like he's just, yeah, just got to be a dick. Mad he got a salad. It's one of those moments for me akin to when Pike was like, "Sorry, I'm just getting used to having a female on the bridge." Like it's kind of like that. Just just kind of a yeah, weird, yeah, yeah, offhanded, yeah. like out well, of character comment. Well, once again, I, it's the it's the time though, like the '60s or, or late '60s, early '70s. I it's a time thing. Yeah. No. Yeah, I get that. But like, it's just to me, like Kirk. This episode is just being. He's he's not being very Kirk. Like like he's kind of being like bitch Kirk. Yeah, it's well, funny. Maybe he just needs a Snickers because he's hungry. That could, yeah, not a salad. <laughs> Another thing I noticed uh, episode random is like there are a lot of females in the background of this episode. Just random. Yeah. Like like like, like wow, can't talk. <clears throat> a lot of characters. Like oh, you always see Yuhura and you always see Yeoman Rand because they're, they're two pretty much uh, females of the of the show. Yeah. But like random be cast around, you just see random ones throughout the show, like walking by and stuff like that. I thought, oh, okay. Like it just keeps adding more and more characters. Hopefully, we get to meet more and more characters as we go along. Yeah, there seems to be a pretty even uh, split of men and women on the ship. Just that's not represented well on the bridge. Like the bridge is just like mostly male. Yep, this Yuhara. So um, they're listening to the exercises being conducted over the loudspeaker when Sulu cuts in and orders everybody to their battle stations and says that it's not a drill. So Kirk calls Spock to see what's going on, and Spock says that there's a much larger object that is approaching them. So we get to the bridge. And they're probing the object when it shows up on their screen. It just comes like flying at them. And Kirk orders them to prepare for evasive action. And then their ship starts to shake really bad. And Spock says that they've been caught in a tractor beam. And Sulu's like, hey, our engines are overheat are overloading. So Kirk orders them to just full stop. So the object approaches and it's just uh, a big sphere. It's just like a big old ball this time. Uh, how, do you think we would have eventually gotten to triangle if they expl- like it just blew this one up? Like, it just keep throwing <laughs> shapes at them. <laughs> I got to say, this this really freaked me out. And I don't know why. Like, the, the, their ship being so much bigger than the ship, like, it really freaked me out. And I don't know why. Like, it started getting bigger and bigger. I thought, yo, this is a really big ship. Yeah. Like, like this is a really, really big ship. I was like, I kind of got freaked out for them in general. Yeah, it's kind of like a that's no moon situation yeah that's why i was thinking like hey that moon over there that's not a moon yeah the big old round ship but uh kirk orders the phaser crews to stand by so he's taking the bailey approach and then we get a shot of the enterprise from the outside just showing the absolutely massive size of this sphere and spock says that uh it's got to be you know over a mile in diameter and bailey's like well it's over five thousand meters away and it still fills the entire screen so Kirk orders them to reduce the image so he can see the entire ship. Uh, but Bailey's too distracted by the sphere, so Sulu reaches over and, and handles it. Which is weird because Sulu switches them to like 2.85 magnification or something like that, and it still takes up the whole screen. And then he goes down to like 1.5, and it's like, well, yeah, the thing looks huge. You got it magnified by over three times. Like a fly is going to no, take he, up your whole he, damn screen. He says magnification 18.5, and it gets smaller. Did he say 18? They go from one, yes, he said 18.5, and somehow it got smaller. It didn't make any sense to me because the number was bigger than the other number. Oh, I thought he mm. went, I thought I thought he went to like 2.85 and then like one point something. No, no, no. He went one point something and then notice that magnification. He said 18.5. That's what I thought. Why is it so damn, why is it so, so much smaller now? Even though he, the number he used is bigger. Huh. Yeah, I kept <laughs> notes of that. Maybe they should fix that and everything wouldn't look huge. Yeah, yeah, I don't get that. Yeah, I didn't get that myself. Which is why I thought that it was. Uh, I'm like, why does it look so much smaller now that he went b- with a bigger number? It don't make any sense. Yeah. So, 
Kirk uh, tells Uhura to open a ship-to-ship frequency, and he tries to contact the sphere. But Bailey starts getting a message over his navigation beam, and Kirk orders Uhura to pick it up and, and play it over their system. I, I really hate their little in-ear speaker thing. I don't know. It, it just it looks weird. It looks uncomfortable, and just something about it I don't like. That, I've already said I, it's it's too uh, jarring, maybe, or just too it's yeah. Too it doesn't big, fit. It's too weird looking. Like like I I get the. I get the idea behind it. Like it's cool to ha- have it, whatever. I think it'd be cool to like have one for like a costume, maybe one day or something. Yeah, really easy. But I hate wearing earplugs right now. Yeah, there's no way that thing's practical. Like they always have to hold it in their ear because it probably weighs a ton, and it's just like it's shaped weird. So you can't just leave it in. You have to hold it to your head. Yeah. So they hear the voice uh, over their intercom of a, a guy named Baylock. It's just like this big booming kind of echoey voice, and he's the commander of the flagship. Uh, Fisarius, and it's the, uh, the First Federation. So he says that the Enterprise is obviously the product of a primitive and savage civilization, and that they have ignored and destroyed a warning buoy. So hey, Spock was right. Uh, that shows that their intention is not peaceful. And he is. Yeah, all, all the time. And so it's, he says that they are now considering the disposition of the Enterprise and life aboard. So Kirk tries to contact uh Baylock here to explain what's happening. But then all of their locked, uh, electronics start to like buzz and flicker and short out. And Spock says that they're being invaded by an exceptionally strong sensor probe everywhere. And he's like, he's really like, uh, Spock's like just really in awe. Like he's kind of, um, he's just like, man, that's, it's brilliant. Like <laughs> these people are doing everything right. Like it's fantastic. I want to go work on that ship. Like, he, he really just like kind of admires the attack on their ship here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like they're the way they work. I think uh, Spock's really, really. I don't know if he's joining. It. I think he's confused for a minute, or like thinking like, what, what can we do next? Yeah. So, uh, Balak says that there will be no further communication. Like he's just not going to accept it, and that if there is the slightest hostile move, the Enterprise will be destroyed immediately. And Spock says he exclaims that they're shutting off some of the Enterprise's systems, and that they're. He's like, yeah, they're they're, they're you know extremely sophisticated in their methods of what they're doing. So Kirk asks if their recorder marker will have everything that's happening on tape. And Spock says that, you know, it'll have enough to warn other Earth, Earth ships. So Kirk orders Bailey to dispatch the recorder marker. So Bailey seems a little bit distracted still. And Kirk gets his attention. He's like, hey, uh, recorder marker guy. And Bailey dispatches the recorder marker. And Spock's like, yeah, it's on course. We're good to go. And then suddenly the whole ship starts to shake. And Balok announces that the recorder marker has been destroyed and that the Enterprise and crew have been examined and they must also be destroyed. So he offers the crew of the Enterprise uh, 10 minutes to make preparations with their deities. And I was like, man, this this is really getting out of hand like super fast. Nothing that they do works. And I am just all into this at this point. I was like, hell yeah, yeah. Like, this is great. Yep. So Spock tries to locate where the voice is coming from because he thinks it's going to be interesting to see what they look like. And I'm like, dude, like you have 10 minutes to live and you just want to see what this guy looks like. Like he's just over here still doing like curiosity science shit. Like that's not logical like, at hey, all. If I'm going to, if I'm going to die, I'm going to know the face of my enemy. who's going to kill me. Yeah. What he yeah. looks like. He's just like, it's yeah, just so Spock weird. It's always like that. So uh, McCoy and Scotty enter the bridge and McCoy tells Kirk that Balak's message was heard all over the ship by everyone. And so Kirk goes to address the crew over the intercom and he tries to explain, you know, that he thinks he can reason with the aliens. You know, at this point that they've had so many countdowns to their ship being destroyed. You think most people on the ship are like, oh, it's just another Monday. Yeah. Like, shit, is it Monday already? (laughs) 
Like, do you think there's, like, mass panic on the ship? Like, oh, hey, we did this, like, a week ago. Like, there was a half-hour countdown where we were going to crash into that star, and we were fine. Yeah. I don't think so. I think the only person that's panicking think like, panic. a little, like a bum is Bailey. I think <laughs> Bailey's the issue right now. Like he's, the, he's the one person over here panicking right now. Because you think about it, like, they got to be used to the, the dangerous stuff of what's going on, which is why, like, the Bailey character for me, like, even though this episode's great, the Bailey character for me is more annoying than anything else. Like, I, like if they if they would have said, oh, this is his first mission, like, emphasize that or something. Like, oh, or if they went to, like, especially then picked him up and he was their new helmsman. He was younger and it was his first job. And he was like, he would panic and I would get it. But he looks to be relatively a noob, uh, relatively older. It looks like he's been a helmsman for a while. Like, why is he this panic? It really, bo- like, like, it just, the, the, the training you have to go through, you shouldn't be this damn panic. Like, there has to be, I, I like, agree. almost like an astronaut, you know? Like, an astronaut, not going to panic in space. But, like, like, the Enterprise is on some, like, you know, big five-year mission, and, like, they haven't run across shit like this. Like, they, they've never seen a, a cube and then a giant sphere in space. But I also wonder if, yeah, like... But, they, but they've, run, but they've they, run across, like, uh, but other things that have been scary, though. Like, right. They've like, gone like, up against godlike aliens godlike that can aliens, manipulate... Just, like, like, all this oh wait a minute i gotta remember this episode is kind of earlier and yeah that's earlier. what i was about to say so like i wonder if be. that's where the issue comes from like if we had watched this in the order that it was intended if you would still have the same perceptions of bailey because like you know yeah, maybe I obviously just, they have to go to station somewhere to pick up supplies and things and you know mm-hmm. fix the shit that's happened to their ship so maybe and and you know replace their their dead people so maybe he's one of those replacements that wasn't there for all this stuff but the order that yeah. we're getting it is the order that it aired and yeah i think it, it does cause some of those uh yeah, you know, just, misconceptions just, about some of these people. Well, you, yeah, you'd well, have well, to also expect like, that when you're going on adventures throughout space looking for other life forms, that you would come across weird anomalies. That yeah, yeah I, you, I, you I can expect it, but still you, not. You know, yeah, but I, I just don't get it though. Like, I just, I, I guess, I, I thought somebody trained would not go to this level of panic this fast. Yeah, like, 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 it took him less than five minutes. I'm saying it was about a minute. He saw it. He panicked. No, that's totally <laughs> like, fair. Like every, so, so, like, I just, I don't understand the panic. Like, I get it for, a like, story wise, but like, it's Star Trek training wise. I just don't make any sense to me. Uh, like, I, I, I have I, to agree. I, I have to agree with Paul on this one because once again, it brings me back to my point I've said over the past few episodes that you'd want the best of the best on a spaceship. That's why it's weird that the guards right. from like the last episode can let a guy hide, you know, right yeah. there in the closet and not catch him to, you don't have people that can handle high stress levels of events. Like that'd be really bad. No, that's, that's totally fair. Uh, my point of view is that like, if I was in this situation, like I, I imagine even if I had been trained and I had been in, you know, these crazy situations before, like this guy, the entire crew just watched this other ship show up after they dealt with this weird ass cube thing. And this other ship completely shut them down and proved their superiority within a matter of minutes. And then was like, Hey, you got 10 minutes to live at that point. I think even if I'd seen all kinds of other shit, I'm just going to be like, well, fuck. Like I, I would probably well, freak okay. out a little bit too. Now, if you want to freak out now, I get you want to freak out now. But he been freaking out since the since the since the day started. No, oh, yeah, like, that's absolutely yeah. <laughs> He's like, just a trigger happy crazy two, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he been tripping out since the beginning. So now we're at the edge of the, the mess. Now you're allowed to go like get like I can get your panic now. 
No, yeah, yeah. Like, he's, he's been yeah, when, shit when, this when they've given you ten minutes to live, then you have the right to kind of panic. You know, like, yeah. like, oh, I'm like, you know, like, oh, I need a minute. I'm freaking out. Like, I, I get that, but I just think the initial concept, like, maybe they didn't think about the whole psych- psychological part of uh, of of stuff as they wrote things. You know, whatever. I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting way to hell, way left field with this. But I think personally, I just don't think a guy that's been trained to go in space through all this stuff is going to panic in the first five minutes of him meeting an alien ship. Like yeah. that is not what you should be doing. No, but, and then, and I don't want to keep dwelling on this, but we have to, right, also right. have to remember that like McCoy has been warning Kirk that, you know, Bailey specifically is pretty overworked at this point. Like he's, yeah. you know, he's already had a lot going on and that, you know, we're kind of yeah. reaching a, a breaking point for him, but, but no, like everything you guys are saying is completely valid. Yeah. He, he shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have been freaking out to begin with. Like yeah. now, now oh, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah. But earlier in the day. Yeah. Um, but Kirk contacts Baylock again. And he says that they didn't mean to trespass and that in a show of good, goodwill, they're just going to leave. <laughs> like, like what if that had worked? Baylock's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You can just leave. That's fine. But, uh, the enterprise, bro. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. We got more cubes. It's, it's, we're all good. So the enterprise starts making a really loud humming noise that just keeps increasing in pitch as it goes on. And Kirk orders Bailey to plot a course ahead uh, Bailey's still distracted and freaking out, so Sulu reaches over and, and does it again. And uh, Kirk orders them to engage, but the engines aren't responding to warp or to impulse. So their weapon systems are also down. So Spock switches to the screen, and he's like, check this out. Like, you guys want to see some shit? And a big blurry, like, wavy image of Baylock appears on their screen, and I was like, hell yeah, finally an alien. Like, he looks cheesy, he moves like shit, but, you know, finally. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, it's just like really unsettling, just like kind of weird. But uh, Baylock says that they are wasting time and effort, and that there is no escape. And he reminds them that they only have eight minutes left. And Spock's like, well, "I was just, you know, curious to see how he looked." Like, not impressed. Yeah. But uh, at this point, Bailey just starts like freaking out, like lashing out, and he, he says, "Like, you know, Spock's just over there wasting time, and everybody else is just sitting around doing nothing." He's like, "Somebody's got to do something." And McCoy comes over and tries to calm him down, but he just keeps going on and on. And he's, you know, freaking out. He wants to know what the aliens want. And he's like, you know, we should find out what they want us to do. So Kirk tries to calm him down, but he just keeps going. And he's like, you know, we only got eight minutes left. And Sulu's like, it's actually seven minutes and 41 seconds. <laughs> so like, so like Sulu, this... Sulu, Sulu is just amazing this episode, too, yeah. by the way. <laughs> She's like, it's by like, the way, it's less time. Oh, I'll be in a minute. Oh, no, I mean a minute and five seconds. My bad. I like to clarify <laughs> that the five seconds matters to me. Yeah. So uh, and he like, also find his love uh, for watches and clocks too. They mention that. Yeah. Somebody mentions his love for uh, clocks and watches. I thought, okay, that literally sums up his exact him exact time thing for me. Yeah. But uh, this this mention of you know how much time they have left is Bailey just starts freaking out about the countdown now. So McCoy's like, look, it's practically your end of the, your watch. You need to calm down. And Bailey's like, at the end of my watch is the end of everything. He's like, are you guys robots or like wound up toy soldiers? And so Kirk just starts yelling at Bailey. And he's like, you're relieved. Get out of here. He tells McCoy to take uh, Bailey to his quarters. And at this point, like, I really liked the actor that played Bailey at this point. Like, they get good. They get people that are really good at conveying, like, anger or just, like, kind of freaking out. He he really freaked. How about saying something? He's really good at acting about freaking out. Yeah. His freaking out looked really good. Yeah. Like, the way he freaked out. Like, I thought it was really good acting, too. Yeah, just really, really believable. Yeah, at first him being like, at first I didn't think, but he was this guy's really good at the extremes, kind of yeah. like Kirk. Like yeah. I don't think, like uh, I don't think uh, uh, Will Shatner's a great actor. I think that he's really good at the extremes. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with like, that. Like, like he's like the mid range. He's okay, but if it's about the extreme pain or extreme anger, or extreme whatever, or extreme panic, he's good at those. He's great at doing that. Yeah, I think that uh, from what we've seen of this series, like Shatner really shines when he has to convey like just kind of like angry desperation. I think is yeah. is his best emotion. Yeah. Um. So McCoy escorts Bailey out and Kirk tries to contact Baylock again to explain, you know, what happened with the buoy, but the ship just starts humming again. And Baylock's like, Hey, you got seven minutes left. And then they go to a commercial. And, and this is where I noted that like, if I had watched this, like if I was, you know, a kid or in my teens or whatever in the sixties, when this originally aired, I'd have been glued to my TV, just impatient at every commercial break during this episode. Yeah. I would have been like, dude, can we just get through this? Like, I just want to see what happens. And commercial breaks were like 15 minutes too. So like, yeah. you gotta wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they come back and Sulu announces that they have four minutes and 30 seconds. And that's when Scott is like, man, you have a really annoying fascination with timepieces. Just, just, just cut that out. Yeah, yeah, I, he, I like that. You should be glad you didn't play uh, the final countdown. Play, <laughs> you know, they were counting down. Well, uh, no, it's funny because like uh, when they, they're the writers of the show have a habit of putting random facts about people in the middle of death situations to let you know about them. Yeah, like, character building. You character building yeah, in the middle of the other stuff, which is really smart because like you see. So I, I learned that uh, Sulu likes watches. You know, was timepieces, which and then that goes into him every time he says that exact time, it's always exact time for him. You know, or we learned about uh Leonard Nimoy not having a adrenaline gland. Yeah. Like we learned all this stuff as they're talking about it while they're talking while they're doing this stuff. Like it happens to come up like naturally as part of the conversation, not as like this exposition that needs to be explained. You know, to it's not like throwing out there like its own thing. It's yeah. kind of trimmed into this conversation where you can you learn about the characters while you're still while they're in the middle of their mission. Like it's very I don't know how they do that. It's very smart. Soda how to do that. How they put these little facts about people while they're doing that. We've gotten some good character building for Sulu before as well. Like and he just seems to be the kind of guy that when it's a life or death situation, he's just he's very calm and he's yeah he's he can be pretty focused. How you should be yeah. Like when they stuck like when he was marooned on the planet during. Uh, enemy within and he was just like freezing to death he was still out there like cracking jokes like yeah dude you're about to freeze to death but you know he still he kept it together so yeah just like Sulu's just a guy you want with you and uh when shit's going bad i guess yeah which probably makes him a veteran at this point yeah yeah he's he's oh, son and dean some in, things uh, done and seen not son and dean wow good talking uh <laughs> anyway, anyway the old son and dean the old son and dean uh, so Kirk and Spock are are talking and Kirk is upset that he can't find a way out of the situation. And, and Spock says, you know, it's like chess when someone is outmatched then it's game over. And Kirk asks, he's like, is that the, the best you can do? And Spock's like, well, I can't find another logical alternative. So when even Spock's giving up, but also what are the illogical alternatives? Like, I want to hear some of those. Yeah. Um, Spock, Spock don't think illogical. He, he can't think illogical. Well, I mean, in order for him to figure out what's logical, he has to know what's illogical. So like, just give me some of those options. <laughs> yeah he's like well you know captain we could uh get naked and dance on the top of the ship like <laughs> that that could do something i mean that would really throw off the their your enemy if he just did that yeah, like, uh, what are they we doing didn't sign up for this we're out well in a minute when they um when it ends up set, and you know when he says poker instead of that like let's get a little bit ahead you guys seen the episode whatever yeah you guys i was watching okay so it's funny because it's poker as a logic a logic game 
that you play illogical. It's yeah. the irony of it being poker, which would literally be the one thing I think Sp- Kirk would always beat Spock in. Because, oh, absolutely. That's because that brings me Kirk- back to our uh, debate a couple episodes ago, Paul, where you know, in a fight between Captain Kirk and Spock, if it was like a boxing match or a UFC fight, I think Spock would win. But if it was a military fight, I think Kirk would win. Yeah. Yeah. See. See, that's part of the uh, part of the thing I'm trying to say. Yeah, so like, it's it's just the way they. Once again, this this episode is so smart, man. Like, how do you make Kurt and and um and Spock different but the same? You bring oh, reference a chess. Chess would be Spock. The you the, it's all logic. The the the, the moves never change. The moves all characters move the same way. It's all logic. Now, when you think about Kurt, it's poker. Even though it's logic, you still use different ways you can bluff and do other stuff, whatever. So it's funny how they brought they mentioned two different games that literally sums up both their uh, personalities, in a way. Yeah. And 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 make it part of the show. Like they do all this weird stuff that's really smart, man. I just, I I I get it. I get it. Yep. So uh, at this point, McCoy enters the bridge and asks Kirk if he can put Bailey's condition down as uh, simple fatigue, and Kirk argues against that. And McCoy tells Kirk that, you know, hey, it's your fault for overworking Bailey and expecting too much out of him. And Kirk tells him to drop it, saying that he doesn't have time for his theories and his quaint philosophies. So Kirk says that he's going to challenge or McCoy says he's going to challenge Kirk's actions in his medical records and uh, says that he warned him about Bailey's condition and that he isn't bluffing. And then Kirk snaps and he yells at McCoy. Uh, he he's like, oh, you know, bluff me, blah, blah, blah. And everybody like turns and looks at him. And like, again, I, I really like uh, McCoy, you know, again, kind of going above Kirk's head. Like we saw uh, more recently, not going above his head, but kind of like, okay, you know, you don't want, you won't let me do this thing. Then I'm going to make it official. And, you know, then you're going to have to do something about it. Uh, but again, like, yeah, the other thing is McCoy is really optimistic that his records are going to matter in like four minutes. <laughs> he's just right. They got four <laughs> minutes to live. I'm putting in record. You're gonna regret all four minutes of this. Yeah. Uh, and then the, my other note is something we already covered. Like I've I've said it before, but I like you know desperate Kirk, and I think that's where Shatner really shines. And he was he was just you know his his snapping right here is is just it's yeah. fantastic for me. But uh, Baylock announces over the intercom that they have three minutes remaining, and Kirk tells McCoy that he hopes that they have time to argue about this later. So. Uh, Kirk then tells Spock. And then he has his eureka moment. Yep. Uh, during he's you know his yelling about being bluffed, he looks at Spock and he's like, well, "It's not chess, but poker." So he tells Uhura to contact the other ship, and he tells Balok that due to their respect for other life forms, that they're required to deliver a warning uh, that they have one critical item that they never put in any Earth ship's memory banks, and it's been there since the early years of space exploration, and that Earth ships have a substance called corbamite incorporated into them. So he goes on to say that uh, corbamite is a material and a device that prevents an attack on them. And if any destructive energy touches their ship, a reverse reaction of equal strength is created, destroying the attacker. And like, boy, that would be a hell of a material if true. Like you, nobody would ever fight in each other because you don't want to destroy yourself or fight each other. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, but he, like, he goes through this whole thing and then Baylock's like, you have two minutes. <laughs> he just he didn't even really listen to it. So Kirk, you know, kind of ups his tone a bit 
And he says that since they started using Corbomite more than two centuries ago, no attacking vessel has ever survived a, an attack on them. And he says that, that death has no meaning to them and that if it has no meaning to them, you know, being the aliens, he's like, hey, you know, death has no, no meaning to us. So if it has any meaning to you or no meaning to you, then you should attack us now. And he's like, I'm we're, we're growing annoyed at your foolishness. <laughs> it's like, damn, Kirk. And what a great bluff. Yeah, absolutely. It just absolutely flips it like, oh, we're not going to die. You're going to die, and, and you're getting on my nerves. It's like, do it. Just yeah, do it. Come on. Uh, I don't even, like I said, like everything about this episode, I just, I like it. I don't really, like, I, I would love to talk and get so deep that my brain explodes <laughs> about every move he makes or whatever, because I'd be talking forever about this episode. I really yeah. would. Like, that's how, that's how smart is done. Like, that's how smart is done. Everything about it is so smart. But I did, even the idea of the bluff itself. Right, you know, I just, yeah, it's very just out of left field. It. Like it's, it's well, yeah, it's, it's left field, but it's so Kirk yeah, though. That's absolutely, what I'm, it's so Kirk. That's like, yeah, I'm like, yo, this is this is really good. Like, I really truly think that somebody like Kirk would do that. This is what he would do in a situation, like, because like for him, there's a no win situation. It kind of pertains randomly to the damn Star, the new Star Trek movie, where he does something and he bluffs. Like there's a like there's a no win test he does or whatever and he finds a way to yeah. win. Like this Kirk curse object, the way he works is there's no no win situation. Somehow we we will find a way out. I'll figure it out at the last minute, no matter what it is. So this is what we need to do. I I, I like he just he finds a way. I I will say even though I find myself being more team Spock, Spock would not have been able to get out of this situation. Without someone like Captain Kirk, no, absolutely not. He would he would not have lied his way out of this. And, and I think that's why Kirk is the captain because see that's a, we're we're debating about that before with Brandon wants to Spike to be the captain, and I say I was like Kirk. Well, this is one of the episodes where you realize that this is one hundred percent Kirk is the captain of the ship. And yeah, that's why. Yep, I, I agree. Every, discuss, every, every this every discussion about it is dead in the water because you realize, oh my gosh, the way Kirk like Kirk thinks like Spock. But he also thinks outside the box. Yep. And Spock would never think outside the box to get out of the situation. So it's like, oh, this is why Kurt's the captain. Because Kurt's able to take like Spock's ideas, Sulu's, idea, uh, Sulu's ideas, and Bones' th- thoughts, and the engineer and Scotty, take all their ideas, lump them into one, and mix up what he needs to do, and come up with a, a MacGyver it to make it a better situation. Like, okay, we'll take everything everything you give me, all knowledge you give me, here's how we'll get out of this, solve this problem. Here's how we do well, it. Really well, that's Spock's con- greatest weakness is uh, being too logical that he can't think outside the box. Yeah, like, I can concede that there would be, uh, if Spock was captain, there's stuff that he wouldn't be able to, to get out of. Like, I'm not saying Spock would be, like, a perfect captain. Like, this is obviously one of those scenarios that uh, you know, I don't think he would have been able to get out of, but we can admit that you know, there's some stuff that he would have done that would have solved a situation or a problem much faster than Kirk. So there, there's a happy middle ground. They, oh, I, they're, I agree. they're like the perfect team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I, like, I, like together, well, they're, yeah, they're yeah, pretty, I, pretty I, much I agree that a lot of times Spock's, um, a lot of times Spock's um, initial reaction is the right yeah. reaction. Like, like Kirk will eventually get to where Spock is. Yep. But Kirk wants to try all this other stuff first, and then but okay, I guess Spock was right. Let's go ahead and do the logical thing. But I'm gonna try all this illogical stuff first, and then yeah, we'll they're just that. like they're a perfect team that complement each other like perfectly. Actually, I I don't know yeah. that I've seen uh, probably a better paired team in like a TV show or movie than these two. Like every you know every not every movie, but a lot of movies have those like you know 
you're mean and I'm nice, but we we make it work together. And like, I think that this is like a much more intimate, but the buddy cop. like this is much a, a much more intimate pairing of like flaws and ideals. Like I, I think that these two pretty much just work together absolutely perfectly. You know, this is so old. I wonder if this like might have been one of the creation of the buddy cop. If somebody was watching, they're yeah, like, "What would happen if these cop. two were police like, officers?" <laughs> officers. Yeah, like because it, it's truly how the buddy cop thing works like nowadays we have a lot of stuff where it's a it's the reckless guy it's just it's the really smart guy and they get together and somehow the smart guy makes the reckless guy smarter and makes the other guy right yeah. and then they balance each other out like it's kind of it's, it's kind of the way a lot of movies yeah. are now that's kind of, that's funny um so at this point uh Baylock just does not respond to uh kirk saying that you know they're they're annoyed at Baylock's foolishness uh, but Spock says that he regrets not getting to learn more about Baylock because Baylock reminds him of his father. And Scotty's like, well, yeah, I feel bad for your your mom in that case. And Spock says, no, she considered herself a very fortunate Earth woman. Uh, so like, he just he didn't pick up the humor <laughs> in that at all. Um, yeah. McCoy approaches Kirk at this point and they, they kind of have their little apologies. You know, they get over their their earlier little spat. And Sulu notes that they have one minute remaining. So. Bailey returns to the bridge and he requests permission to return to his post and Kirk grants it, which is a nice little moment because Bailey, you know, kind of not apologizing without apologizing and, and Kirk being like, yeah, you know, if we're going to die, you want to die at your post. I respect that. So let's go for it. What Did you notice? Maybe it was just me, but did it look like Bailey had been like crying, like his eyes looked red when he came back in? Uh, I didn't look, but I mean, I feel like that would make sense, like that he's just so pissed off and he's also about to die. I mean, like... You can get so mad that you cry, and obviously he'd be worried he was going to die. Oh, so maybe he was just off crying somewhere, or, or or get so or get so embarrassed about how he reacted. Like I never thought I'd be in this react like this in this situation. I'm I'm I've been training for this my entire life. Yeah, you know what what is going on? Like he panicked. He just said that you get out there, take a minute. You know, yeah, take a minute, relax. Maybe he went and just cried it out. Take a minute, relax, come back in. Yeah, yeah. I mean that'd be a, a really good detail. If so, um. So with 11 seconds left, Sulu begins the countdown, and when the countdown ends, nothing at all happens. And Spock's just kind of standing off to the side, and he's like, oh, a very interesting game this poker is. So uh, Balok then contacts the Enterprise, and he says that their destruction has been delayed, and that they will relent the destruction if they can get proof of the Corbomite device. And Kirk doesn't answer. He's like, we're not going to answer that. We're going to let him sweat for, for a change. So a few seconds go by, and Kirk calls Baylock and he says, I'm denying your request for proof. <laughs> like, damn, dude. It's just like, no. <laughs> no, request denied. Like, oh. Like, oh, man. He's like, imagine, shoot me if you want to find out the proof. Yeah, I imagine Baylock's over there like, what do we, like, what do, we do now? Like, he, he said no. And everybody's just like, he said no? Like, yeah, he said no. Like, what, what do we do? Yeah, like, can he yeah, do yeah, that? Yeah, he said no. Like, like, like can, can they can do it. Like, what, what can we do? Like, I, w- I almost wish that we could, like, even though the letter at the end reveal, whatever, I almost feel like we can see like both ships as they sit there and trying to like have this have this poker contest yeah. with each other. Like I, I like seeing Curse, but I would love to see the other ship's reaction to what right. he was doing. Like just like is no like, an option. He, what, what what do you do? <laughs> like I, I can't believe this this humanoid. What 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 is he doing? Like I don't know. I just felt like it. I felt like it was just it would have really been funny to see the both sides yeah. of this coin. I, I I agree. They they missed an opportunity by telling the other side of the story from their perspective. Right. What well, what well, thing is the horror of not knowing though is one of the things though. So like w- would it would it change the whole dynamic of the episode if we saw 
the person on the other side the whole time. Because like it, it's kind of this scary, it's kind of this scary figure. Yeah, you know, if we, the if less we you know, the, the more scary see it what is. They're doing. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder. Uh, so Balak actually appears on their screen at this point, and he says that uh, they're soon going to inform the Enterprise of their decision regarding the ship, and that he's going to give another demonstration of their su- superiority. And then like nothing happens for like a full minute. And I was like, what, like, what's the demonstration? Like Janice comes into the bridge with hot coffee and she says that she used the hand phaser to warm it up since the power was off in the galley. And I'm like, is that the demonstration of your superiority? Like what the hell happened here? I, I, I swear. I thought that it would be like her come in and she would be under my control or yeah, something. She's like, here's or, coffee. Or like, uh, or, or like, you I thought it'd be something like that. Yeah. I thought it, cause like, it's very weird wording in that situation. Yeah. So I I tr- I truly thought like she would come in it wouldn't be her it'd be like a clone of her or something, or like they would transport her off the bridge to to their ship. Yeah, that was a weird transition from like, hey, I'm gonna show you my power to Janice walking in like, hey, I got you coffee. Yeah, and then no display of power. Yeah. Uh, well, I yeah. guess like what, what are you what are you trying to show me that my unit's <laughs> doing her job? Yeah. Uh, but I guess their their display of power is that they uh, they bring out a smaller ship. And Balok says that it has been decided that they will conduct the Enterprise to a planet of the Federation which can sustain their life form. Meaning the first Federation, not like the, the Enterprise's Federation. It's two Federations. So Yeah, it's a that's a weird cut. Yeah. It's a, I'm sorry, man. It's just a weird like I I'm I'm like thinking about that and I I have this theme point right now. You're right. The whole superiority to her walking into the damn room. There's such, there's such a, a long pause there. It doesn't work. It doesn't feel. Well, and the other thing is like, what uh, what was the purpose of that scene? Like, she brought coffee. We didn't learn anything new. Uh, nothing happened. Like, what the what was the point in that? Well, we yeah, we, we the, know that it, she can warm up a uh, a pot of coffee with a phaser. Yes. Hopefully that comes into play later. Once again, that th- that yeoman dynamic is a you know let it go, let it go, focus. Hey man, she's a maverick. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, I just. Anything for Captain. Now we're warming up his uh, coffee with facers. Well, you I mean, know, she's you know? pretty thirsty for Captain, so she's aiming to please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially when it comes to, you know, bringing him food. Like, bitch, you're getting a salad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, right. yeah, they're, they're going to tow the Enterprise to uh, a planet which can sustain their life. And Balok says that the Enterprise is going to be destroyed and that they are going to be confined to the planet. So the Enterprise's engines then turn on as uh, the, the big circle or the big. Uh, sphere ship leaves and Balak says that the smaller vessel has equal potential to destroy the Enterprise. So why even have the big one? Like just to, to be scary? Like if you imagine if every TIE fighter had the destructive capabilities of the Death Star, like why have the Death Star? You know what? I didn't really think about this damn thing being the Death Star. You like just, it up. It's just like a show of force, I guess, to be like, hey, look at our big ass ship. Yeah. Look at, look at well, what we this- build that, you know, should impress you. Yeah, but maybe he's bluffing as well. But you got you got to remember though, he could they could be lying about the ship being able to destroy them also. Yeah, you know, so it's like oh we got this little bit of baby ship, and if you try to get away, you get destroyed. Like trying to trick them into not trying to escape. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm wondering too. Yeah, if it's just a, a bluff. But the Enterprise gets caught in a tractor beam, and Balak says that their systems are open, so they can sustain their their life and gravity systems. And he warns them that any attempt to escape or destroy the smaller ship is going to cause them to be destroyed. So they, they start B uh, two, they start B two. Yes, uh, they start to tow the Enterprise, and uh, it's a, actually a really solid move, I think, on on Balak's end because it's like 
you know, if he believes that the Corbomite is a real thing, then you're not risking your big ship. Like, if you lose a small ship, then who cares? But I imagine losing that big-ass thing would be uh, pretty, like, detrimental to your fleet. Yeah. So we get another commercial break, and we come back to a captain's log where Kirk is, again, just recapping the situation. And he thinks that the tractor beam has to be a really heavy power drain on the smaller ship, so he wonders if uh, Balok's going to start to get a little careless here. And uh, Bailey then tells Kirk that Balok's ship is pulling out ahead of them uh, pretty slowly, so Spock says that Balok has uh, sneaked his power down a bit, and Sulu just starts giving updates to their ship's uh, decreasing speed, so like the tractor beam is kind of uh, getting weaker. So Kirk tells them to prepare for a right-angle course, and he says that they're going to shear away from Balok no matter which way he turns and to prepare for maximum acceleration when he gives the order. And then he orders them to engage and Sulu just like flips a switch. Like, I would think that, like, it's just funny how underwhelming stuff is. He's like, all right, you know, maximum speed, engage. And, and Sulu like flips a light switch. Like there's no like big lever. Or oh, anything. Like, a, like it's not a bunch of, like it's not a bunch of, um, like, like, yeah, like, like pull a big lever like, or something. It just like turns yeah. on a light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, he's like, gonna click. Yeah. 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 I get what you're saying. Well, it's funny because that whole elevator little cl- turn crank is very simple, but I found it yeah. very cool. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, this, they do a lot of uh, small, subtle things, but some of the big things, this is just always a click yeah. or a it's oversimplified. It's never a bunch of, yeah, it's over, it's real simplified. Yeah. yeah so, good point. So Sulu says that the engine is straining and starting to overload, and Spock warns that they're uh, superheating. So the ship uh, starts to shake as people get slammed against the walls and the corridors. And which did did you notice the guy in the like the gray life vest? No, I didn't see him specifically. Yeah, there was a guy in a, like a gray life vest almost that was in the hallway with like the people, the crew members, like you know, we talk, falling into the wall. We talking about the black dude? What's that? The black dude? Was he black? The black dude? Was he black? All I noticed was the white vest. Dude, I thought I thought it was white life vest. I thought it was white. Oh, see, I thought I it was gray, but would... you might be right. It just looked out of place. Yeah. Out of place, yeah, bro. Yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about. It has to do with like this vest, white vest jacket. Maybe my colors are off too. Who knows? But yeah, I know exactly. What you're I talking just about. had a note here that like it has to suck being like anybody on that ship that's not on the bridge because you have no clue what's happening or why like you okay, you get the general plot that you're about to be destroyed you don't know that you're about to go full speed yeah. from a standstill so like nobody ever tells them <laughs> shit like they're yeah, just yeah, walking like, around the hallways way. and suddenly getting slammed into the wall yeah because like yeah because we're talking about the whole when the, when the ship starts going back and forth and again throwing it back and forth in the, in yeah, the hallways like, right the hell? i'm like um well if you notice honestly I just I don't understand why they didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Like 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 Captain the, being in the ship has the very issues where like yo brr, hey 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 ship we're going to be doing a maneuver here uh please uh brace for a hard turn brace for impact something. Yeah. And like, like the last 10 minutes nothing? for them has been crazy cuz they're like oh we're going to die in 10 minutes and then 10 men- the minutes passes and they're like Oh, we're not gonna die. Okay, we can just be casual around the yeah. ship, and then they're getting slammed into the walls. <laughs> they just—they have well, no clue what's happening. Yeah, Kirk didn't and, even give him a Kirk didn't even give him an update. Like, oh, hey guys, we're not gonna dude, get blown up. Saying, yeah, by the way, we ain't dying. There's so you know, it's funny. It took me ten episodes to get to that point. The thinking about that, he never tells me what's going on except for the people on bridge. I'm sitting there chilling, hanging out, having my dinner. You know, sitting here <laughs> sipping on my drink. I'm drinking. I'm drinking. You know, I'm sitting sipping on this coffee while I'm eating, whatever. Next thing I know, the ship turns. I got hot coffee yeah. over. I got third degree burns because Captain Kirk won't pick up the intercom and be like, "Hey guys, 
just so you know, we're doing a smoother, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Oh, thank you, Captain Kurt. I guess I put this hot coffee down so I don't burn <laughs> and that's myself. after you hey, thought you had like, 10 oh. minutes to live. Yeah, I had 10 minutes to live. I thought I might act a fool, whatever. Tell this chick I like her on the ship. I ran across the ship. Hey, hey, I liked you forever. I got 10, seconds, 10 minutes to live. Trying to holler at her, you know, running with my hot coffee, whatever it is. They say no. I, I finally get her number or whatever. I go I go to hang out with her. They say no. The ship's turning yeah. around, whatever the hell but, is going on. Well, ima like, imagine if you're taking a piss and all of a sudden the ship yeah. starts shaking. <laughs> you're going everywhere. You're like, oh, shit, not again. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Oh, my, my foot, it's all over my clothes. <laughs> But again, Damn, like, Damn you, Kirk. like again, though, somebody Damn somewhere you, noticed this, and that's what that animated series, The Lower Decks, is all about: is how nobody on the bridge ever tells them anything. Nobody has any clue what's going on in that ship. Oh, oh, is that what it, is that what it is? Seriously? Yeah, it's a fantastic show. They they they, they poke fun before, at so. all of the stuff like this in in the entire Star Trek franchise. Oh, okay. franchise. Man, I, I have to okay, check see. that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, they, uh, they're slamming everybody around, and they're watching the other ship, and Kirk orders Bailey to begin shearing away, while Spock reads off uh, the increasing engine temperatures and warns that the engines are going to blow soon, and uh, Kirk orders Sulu to go to impulse power, too, as the alarm starts to get louder. And I, I really love the sound effects on the, the bridge here. Like, they have some that are, there's like a pinging sound, I think, at the beginning of this episode that would just annoy the hell out of me, but... They're like ship engine sounds and stuff are, are really good. I really liked them. I say every time I say that, man, the sound in this, the sound in this show yeah. is so good. Man. So Bailey announces that they're breaking free from the tractor beam and then Kirk orders them to stop the engines. So Scotty enters the bridge and he's like, hey, the engines need some work. Can you maybe shut her down for a few hours and we can work on them? And, and Spock says that that's probably not a good idea uh, because a smaller ship may have contact with a larger one and told them, you know, they broke away. Uh, but Uhura says that she gets a signal from Baylock and it's a distress signal uh, to the, the bigger ship, the Fisarius, and saying that his engines are out and that his life-sustaining systems are not operating. So Kirk asks if the other ship has received the reply, and Uhura says that the signal's weak and that it's unlikely, and she doubts that the, the mother ship would have heard it. So Kirk orders them to plot a course for the smaller ship, and everybody kind of gives him this this look like, are you serious? But like, what do you expect? Like, it's, it's Kirk. You knew he was going to do that. He wasn't just going to leave him out there to die. Well, it just, like I said, it's just, it's it's very smart on the shows showing what Kirk does. Yeah. Like they've been in this fight together. They 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 almost want to destroy each other. But the minute they needed help, he clicks that switch. Like okay, it's life. Let's go save them. No matter no matter what it is. What is it, Kirk? To ask uh, one of the crew members what is what is our mission? What is our objective? And they're like, hey, to yeah. go out and find life. He's like, hey, there's some right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So he addresses the Enterprise, finally addresses everybody through their intercom system and says that the First Federation ship is in distress and that they're going to prepare to board it uh, because the aliens' lives are at stake. And so everybody's like, oh, that's what we're doing. So Kirk orders Scotty to ready the transporter room and then they approach the ship. Uh, McCoy steps forward to argue and Kirk reminds him, you know, he's like, hey, our mission's to seek out and contact alien life. You know, this is our perfect opportunity to demonstrate what we're doing. Which why would like it's weird that McCoy of all people would be like, nah, fuck them dudes. You would think he would want to help. Yeah, well, what what happened to your Hippocratic oath to do no harm? Yeah. As a doctor. Yeah, he's like, Well, I'm not harming, well, I just ain't helping. Technically, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh what he said, I don't I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to yeah. save you. <laughs> what, what, what is he Batman now? <laughs> yeah. I don't have to kill but I don't have to save you. Let's go. Like I, I get I get Bones yeah. point. So uh Kirk's uh, says that he and McCoy are going to go to the other ship to examine, you know, and treat any wounded. 
And then he wants Bailey to go with him because he owes him a look at the face of the unknown. Which, I mean, like, Bailey just had a freak out. I wouldn't bring him. Which, when he said that, yeah, like, all see, Kirk's trying to get him killed. He knows yeah. every time a, <laughs> every time you take the crew member down well, like, to a planet. I'd ship, just be worried that... Die. I'd be worried that Bailey's like gonna pack a phaser and just start shooting up. Like, why? Why the fuck is Kirk <laughs> trusting him now? Like, his whole solution, to everything's been I shoot think, it. I think the one thing about this episode, we were complaining about him saying stuff to the ship, but right after that, he he got on the intercom and told them that there was life. They were going over there to the ship to go yeah. get them. So, so, so this whole episode, he never told him nothing about the maneuvers, about nothing. But he, but no, hey, the ship over there needs help. They're in distress. We're going, we're going to go beam over there. And meanwhile, safe. half the crew's like, like "There's a about- ship. Like, what, what is he talking about?" <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. One guy's like, "Hey, I just peed on myself, man. I really don't care. <laughs> I, need, I need to get to the dry cleaning deck." Oh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Spock uh, requests permission to go with them to the other ship, but Kirk just immediately shuts him down and says that, hey, if it's a trap, you know, I want you to be on the Enterprise. And Spock looks super upset. He's like, damn, we just want to see some aliens. But, like, it's it's a really good call on, on Kirk's uh, Kirk's part. Like, Spock's just, like, really upset. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's been obsessed with seeing these guys. He's like, you're, he's like you're wait a minute, that's Bailey, not but not, not me. to take me. Yeah. So, yeah, he's like, Bailey? That guy, he's, I think he's been fucking up for the last four hours. Right. So they go to the transporter room and Scotty says they're locked onto what appears to be a main deck and he says that their air is breathable and he gives Kirk a communicator and a phaser and they get on the transporter and they like bend down because uh, Scotty tells them, or I don't remember who it was, tells them you know, that they could, they're could they going into a pretty cramped space. So they do like this really weird like bend down when they get in the transporter. So they get transported over. I, I was hoping that was just Scotty messing with them. <laughs> yeah, they go in and it's like a huge like <laughs> banquet hall. With just like vaulted ceilings. <laughs> uh, you think he ever does anything like that? He's like really squeezed down into a ball. Like I'm getting you in a tight space here. And then like he just puts him in an open desert. I, I hope so. Oh, that would be you, hilarious. <laughs> oh, now you guys want like Scotty all of a sudden. <laughs> now you want my boy Scotty to vote for your thing. I now, see what's going now, on. Now we're team see, Scotty. You see what's going on, Scotty? Yeah, see Scotty? So I got your back, Scotty. Don't worry about it. You see, they're not even team Scotty. Now, now they need you when they need things transported. Taxi service, all of a sudden they need you. I see what's going on here. He's a taxi driver with jokes. Uh, mm-hmm. So they beam to the other ship, and they're taking a look around, and, and Kirk's, uh, he sees Baylock and he draws his phaser. And they approach Baylock and realize that it's just like a weird puppet. So then the real Baylock welcomes them to his ship, and this episode goes to shit for me. So Yes. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. When when I first saw the I'm using air quotes here the alien I'm like what is the Gerber baby with bushy <laughs> eyebrows doing on the show? Oh, uh, they destroyed this entire episode for me right here. Uh, see, this is where I disagree with you guys. I think this is what makes the episode amazing. See, it was a it was a poker match the whole time. Got to th- think about it. He was playing poker too. He was putting on a face that he was this this uh this other thing. See, you're looking at it as in like, oh, it's a Gerber baby. I'm looking at it as an oh, they both were playing poker in this situation. He was putting off that he was this guy. They were putting off that they were this strong ship. Now they've come together after the game to acknowledge what a what a worthy game it was. And here's the reason why. Let's drink and celebrate and let's talk and realize that you guys are who you say you are. Well, I guess I was disappointed with the reveal that I was hoping for a non-human entity to be Yeah, that's where I am, too. Yeah, see, I I, I get it. 
I, I, I get it, but is the thing is everything has been really humanoid, but it still looks weird. Like it still looks strange enough for it to be different. So like my my big thing is like uh like Dan said, I I was kinda hoping it would be like a non humanoid thing. And I'm willing to concede the fact that like Okay, so I didn't like where this went. I know we're not, we're not done breaking down the episode yet, but it's also one of those things that I don't know what would have been a satisfactory ending. Like, I didn't want it to be, like, I didn't want this to be the reveal, but I don't know what it could have been to satisfy me. Like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what they could have done. I just thought it should have been, I guess, not this. But... For me personally, I, I I just truly thought it was like once you once I saw them, I once I saw the person, I thought, oh man, okay, it makes sense now. Kirk was bluffing this whole time, the other guy was bluffing this whole time, and now they've come together and they realize that they've had a a, a, a nice battle together, or a nice uh battle of wits, uh, what's a, a battle of the minds? Yeah, and and I'm gonna sit down and have a drink and, and celebrate the battle of the minds and get to yeah, and that time. like. That aspect of it completely escaped me, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that makes like perfect sense. And it, it, like I, I miss some of the nuanced stuff like that, and that's that's why I'm glad that we sit and talk about it because like that's that's a really good point. Like it's a really good observation, and I like yeah, that's I mean really that's it. Like I I missed that part of it, and I'm glad that you brought that up because yeah. that that does make it better for me. Oh, like knowing that yeah, it was just like a battle of wits the whole time. I don't know how the hell I don't I, I miss certain things when I'm you know making notes. There's a lot of pausing and going back, so. Yeah, yeah, because because I mean, truly, like you know, sometimes they have those things where people have the battles, or you have the the game, sports, whatever it is. Not the way you go by and you shake each other's hand and good game, good game. It's like this is one of the moments right here where the whole episode is battle of wits, battle of minds, and they meet each other, and then that's how that's how I yeah. Took it. So they look around and they see uh, what appears to be you know a okay, it's it's a child actor, but they eighty yard somebody else's voice over him. So is it a child yeah. actor? Or is it one of those, or somebody with a disease? See, that's what I was and wondering like, too. I think, I think it's a kid in makeup that they that they like did okay. some stuff to kind of make him appear older, which is really weird. Like, why not just have okay. it be like a guy or a kid? But then apparently, they wanted a kid with like an older person voice. So right. So he's just like kind of chilling in this like just hangout room, and Kirk introduces himself and his crew, and, and Balok offers them a seat, and then he offers them a drink called Tranya, and it's 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 orange juice. Like that's all it is. It's just orange juice. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was trying to roofie them all. <laughs> I thought he was going to be like a poisoning thing dude, or something. For, for, dude, for, dude, for a second, I swear to God, I thought the same thing. For a second, I thought, oh, yeah. Yeah. For a second, I thought, oh, yeah. Go and take a drink. Go ahead and get poisoned. Like, I yeah. got gotcha. you. Like, like oh, I know it man. would seem rude, but if you're handing me a drink and you just threaten to destroy me, like, I'm scanning that thing with whatever scanner or tricorder <laughs> or whatever the hell I have. Like, I, like perception be damned. I ain't getting poisoned today. So... Balak's like, yeah, you know, yeah. you guys probably have a thousand questions, but, you know, you need to drink this drink. And they're like, okay, that's really weird. But they they just eventually take a drink, and yeah. apparently it's pretty good because they, they continue drinking it. Uh, and Balak says that uh, the puppet is his alter ego and that, you know, Kirk never would have been frightened by his actual appearance, appearance which, I mean, I get that. Fair but point. But I, I think they were more frightened of the uh, superiority and firepower of their ship than they were of the appearance of, of Balak. Like you know, I don't I don't care if it's a yeah. toddler in that thing. If he can hit a button and destroy me, I'm scared. Yeah, what what's that old saying? Don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, I think one thing that was that uh, happened with the smart though. They like they sit there and hesitated and waited for him to take a sip first before they had a yeah. drink. 
yeah, they didn't look like they really wanted to, and then they just kind of did. But uh, he says that uh, Balak says that his distress signal was was clever, and that it was a pleasure, you know, testing Kirk and the Enterprise. And he says that they had to discover Kirk's real intentions, and that the Enterprise records could have been a deception. Uh, so McCoy asks about Balak's uh, crew, and he says that he has no crew. That he and he misses having company, and he misses having conversations. And he says he wants to exchange information and cultures with one of Kirk's men. And Kirk's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, you know, that could Kirk's really like, benefit I got both. the perfect guy in mind. Yeah, so <laughs> he asked me, he's like, hey, Bailey, you know, where could we find a volunteer? And Bailey's like, well, I'll do it. So Bailey's like, oh, this, you know, this guy represents you the best. And, and Bailey's like, no, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw it up a lot. But Kirk's like, yeah, that's how you'll find out more about us, you know, is stuff like that. And you'll get a, and he's like, I'll get a better officer back in return. A clever, a clever, subtle dig. At the same time, very smart of him the way he presented yeah. it. He's like uh, ba- Bailey like, sucks, hey, but you know, fix him up and send him back. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he's not perfect, but you know what? Come in, he'll 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 benefit because you'll see the mistakes we make. We're not great at everything; like we make mistakes and stuff like that. So I thought it was kind of yeah. cool. Uh, really, this whole thing, Kirk and Baylock have been friends for years, and he just orchestrated this whole thing to get rid of Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Balak laughs because uh, he's like oh you know you and I Kirk we think alike and he offers to give them a tour of the ship uh, because he doesn't really get the opportunity to do that very often and he says that uh you know hey you know we're we're really a lot alike and, and we're both you know really proud of our ships and then the episode just uh ends with them touring the ship um yeah so yeah that was that one <laughs> uh Dude, that's a long ass. This is this this is the longest podcast ever. I apologize, to people, but this but this episode was talk. Yeah, well. um, I think I I don't really have to give a final thoughts on this one. I I think I, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I would have been super impatient about the commercials when it first aired. I liked pretty much everything about yeah. this. All the character development, uh, the sound design, the tension, uh, the shot of Kirk's ass as he's walking out the door. Uh, I, I, I really, yeah, I really, I really like the whole thing until we hit that end. But your Paul, your explanation of you know pointing out that it, it was just a, a game of poker, uh, I think has kind of flipped me on that. So like, yeah, okay, like I don't know what I would have expected, and I was a little bit disappointed. But but I'm a little less disappointed with that uh, that explanation. So, um, yeah, man. Dan, yeah. what did you think of this one? I really enjoyed this episode for the most part. Uh, Besides kind of the kind of like what you said was the disappointing ending and the only reason not really so much disappointed, just the disappointing reveal of the mastermind behind uh, the other ship was just kind of disappointed, disappointing to me just because he went with another humanoid figure. But I definitely appreciate uh, where Paul's coming from of, you know, the the battle of wit and uh, honestly it should be one of those things where. He should have shown himself like, hey, don't judge a book by its cover because just because I'm small and look like the Gerbil baby doesn't mean that <laughs> I, I can't wreck you. Yeah. Um, Paul? Well, as you guys can tell, my first time watching the episode, I kind of like I tell I, I watched it the first time, got halfway through. I didn't really like it. I didn't I, I don't know what was wrong with me. I watched it again the second time and I really enjoyed it. I just there's so much good about this episode. I just. I wish I watched it in the right order so I wouldn't have been so so hard on certain things about the episode, like thinking how, how it works. But the whole, like I said, the whole episode to me was like a poker. Once he brought up poker, 
my mind switched to it. Oh, it's a poker. And I saw the reveal. I look back at the whole episode in a different way. Like, it's literally a poker match between the, the alien and him. Literally, oh, I got this. Oh, I have this. Oh, I have this. Oh, you got this much left. I'm going to keep uh, making you nervous and nervous. You got 10 minutes to live. Nervous, 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 nervous. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to make a mistake. Oh, I'm going to bluff my way out of it. It's literally a game of poker the whole time. The whole time. So I really get the episode. I, I really, I really get. I really liked it a lot. There's so much good about it. This, this, like, I have no real big complaints. More of my complaints are always jokey complaints, as in like Kirk never telling people on the ship what's yeah. going on. I didn't notice that as much until this episode when I saw the people falling back and forth. I thought, oh yeah, they don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know if there's like a radio, like maybe there's some kind of intercom radio system they have that. Like let you listen in as they're doing things or something. I don't know, but that's one thing I've complained about. You know, it. Actually, but overall episode. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I was wondering, Paul, if the reason why Kirk didn't tell the crew is he assumed that their the the alien was listening to their intercom to see you know if they might be planning to do something. So maybe going over the intercom, like, hey, uh, we're gonna try to sneak away here in a minute. Uh, hold on to something. Might have been a red flag for you know. The enemy. Yeah, yeah. I guess I liked it. I thought I thought it was a good episode. Very good episode. Very thoughtful. I don't know. Just it was a lot. I just took, I just took a lot of it. I just thought, I think it's really good. I had no complaints. It's amazing. I, I gave it ten out of ten. Like I truly Ooh. did. We got a full ten Dang. rating. Yeah. 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 My first. My pretty much my favorite episode probably of the whole whole, whole ten episodes. Honestly, like by far. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's gonna wrap it up for this one. Uh, yeah, we are almost two hours in. I don't think we're going to lose much in editing, though. Um, yeah. So the next one we're going to watch is going to be season one, episode 11, The Menagerie Part 1. Uh, as always, you know, you can find us on Twitter at WWST underscore podcast. Uh, Gmail's WWSTpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us at com. Or just wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And that includes YouTube. Uh, and let us know. You know, leave a rating. Leave a comment. Uh, let us know, you know, what you think. Uh, it really helps us, you know, in terms of discoverability and things. When, when you know, people have a rating, uh, good or bad. Um, and that's going to be uh, pretty much it for me. Take you later. Peace out.